Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? 3 o'clock on a Wednesday. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory for the next three hours here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. Between the two of us, we have a decade of NFL experience and a really good head of hair. It is up to you to figure out the rest. But what you should know by now, knuckleheads, is that if you want to chime in anytime over the next 180 minutes... You can get at us on the dot com. I'm talking the Twitter.com, of course, at Wesley Euler, at the Body 52. The Body. What up, cousin? Living a good life, man. Can't complain. Another glorious day here on Earth. Another day of Steelers football practice. Another day of live streaming. Woo. <sighs> Coach Tomlin. Coach T, that's that's the one. Another day of Coach Tomlin blessing our show with his audio. You know what? I'm glad you said that, too, because I forgot. I got to pull this up here. Come on, man. I you got know, you back. Uh, you know, uh, shout out to our producer, Wesley Euler, right? I got to pull this audio up here, make sure we're ready to go. When Coach T starts speaking, we will hear from him here in about 15 minutes on SNR, as we always do, as he will wrap up what is what? Padded practice number three mm-hmm. and week number three uh, Wednesday. So we're what now? Five, ten. Is this practice number 13? Does that sound right overall? See the reason I don't know I'm not I haven't saw what days they have off or not right because including we, we, Saturdays yeah, and Sundays Saturdays so this and is Sundays that's it's my day problem thirteen yeah. of our coverage here right, on right. SNR <laughs> I'm like were they practicing on Saturday or Sunday wasn't the days were off I'm not really sure 100 <laughs> percent speaking of coverage a reminder that our Steelers coverage is brought to you by PNC Bank PNC Bank is the official bank of the Pittsburgh Steelers Arthur Motz we got a bunch of tweets here. All uh, right, from already. people already just like worried about us. You know what I mean? <laughs> like Thrash is like uh, Thrash tweets us and says, "All I have to say is, are you guys good?" Or is Wes gonna roll into the studio claiming Motsi is taking some time from the show? <laughs> right? And then uh, D Hev followed up and said, "I just grabbed some popcorn and I'm settling <laughs> in for another episode of SNR Raw." Oh my god! <laughs> and uh, Thrash says, in my best announcer voice, in this corner at five ten, weighing hundred and sixty pounds. <laughs> out of West Virginia <laughs> University. It's Wesley, the hair Euler. Oh, His opponent man. at 6'2", 245 pounds out of JMU. <laughs> Arthur, the body motes. Okay, gentlemen, I want a good, clean fight. Oh, man. First of all, 160. I was, I, I, you, I mean, come you, on. You're not 160. Put some respect on you, right? I mean, come on. 160. Yeah, that's like high school. It's like a little kid. I mean, come on. It's, it's more like 165. All right, I mean, come on. Little respect you. It's like I'm a kid, man. 160, jeez. I mean, he did nail the five foot ten thing now. Unfortunately, funny, man. Uh, unfortunately, but no, it is. We got we got a couple tweets about that. I got a couple DMs last night. I think people should know, and like I know this too, because Thrash said he was listening on the podcast. A lot of people listen on the podcast. If you're listening back later on today, like. Moats and I are comfortable having arguments where we tell yeah. each other you're wrong. You know what I mean? I think that's the thing. Like, if we didn't get along, like, if we weren't comfortable like that, it's totally that, different. that wouldn't right. happen. Yeah. And in a weird way, like, 
I mean, you know, you just know how it is. Like a lot of times, yeah. you get into the more passionate arguments with your best friends right. than you do just a regular acquaintance. It's because you can be like, "You're an idiot," and they can be like, "No, you're an yeah. idiot." And then afterwards, you smile and you laugh right. about it. Well, and, and I say this too, man. I, I do commend both of us because we treat our on-air arguments a lot differently than <laughs> when we're having our off-air arguments. <laughs> It's not as it's not as politically politically correct. Mm. It's not as a uh, savory it's for not as all. PG? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we get on air and it's like, man, this is the nicest argument we've had. I like this. <laughs> it's right, no time for being silly. <laughs> but yeah, man, trust me. If we didn't care about each other on the level that we did. We wouldn't even argue like that. Because no. it would be like, man, I don't respect what you got to say. You don't respect what I got to say, man. We just go to the next thing. But because of the relationship that we right. have, that's why we have these type of conversations and, like that. And I think there's also, too, like there's some, you know, it's almost like you, a lot of times you don't want to broach conflict. You don't want to approach. You don't want right. whatever the word, broach, approach, whatever word I'm looking for here. You, you don't want to face conflict in a, like, in a relationship you're not comfortable in. Right. Because that conflict could ruin the relationship. Uh, like, you know, it's. There's only you and I have talked about this off air too. Like, there's only certain people that I'll really discuss like the current political spectrum yes. of our country with. Yes. Because there's only certain people that I think we can have like a fair conversation and we can disagree on some things. And mm-hmm. but afterwards, we're not going to be like, "Oh, I hate you. Don't talk to me anymore." That very that's, true. That's the key point. So Moats and I, like, we we go we get out of here yesterday. You know, we're we're high fiving as we walk out of here. Good show, good stuff. We're laughing. Don't worry, everybody. We're fine. All right. And just if you see me with a black eye, oh, stop I, I, I it, fell down man. the stairs. All right. That's stop it. <laughs> We are going to hear from Mike Tomlin here in just a he few fell minutes. Down the I opened the door too hard and it just happened to hit me in the eye in the shape of a fist. Yeah. I fell down the stairs and what happened was I uh, I hit my eye my eye on the door handle. That's what it was. It just yeah. hit perfectly right yeah. on my uh, you know right on my eye socket, right on my What's that? What am I saying? Orbital, orbital bone. Orbital bone. That's bone. the yeah. one. I was thinking no, it's not cheekbone cuz my cheeks down here. My eyes orbital bone. There we go. That's what we're talking about. Oh man. Having some fun on a Wednesday. Like I said, every day around uh, 3:15 3:20 we will hear from Mike Tomlin so we're standing by in anticipation of that. It's a best of the West Wednesday. Wednesday, uh, Stefan Tuit spoke this morning. Benny Snell spoke this morning, and you know what, Arthur Motes. Speaking of uh, you know weighing in and in our best announcer voice, uh, Benny Snell confirmed he's down around two hundred and ten pounds, playing weight, Let's ready to go. Go, Arthur Motes. Why is this? Because I know this is something. You should mm-hmm. know that, that that Lev Bell had to go through this same mm-hmm. process, that James Conner had to go through this same mm-hmm. process. Why? And again, we laugh. It's like only in like, you know, I don't know, like like supermodel pageants and in training camps do we yeah. talk about people's weight this much. Absolutely. But why is Benny Snell slimming down and him confirming that that's true uh, such a big deal heading into Man, 2020? It's huge from an athletic standpoint. He's down close to 12 pounds. And that's something that we both talked about last year. We said that, hey, man, for Benny Snell, to take that next step to to go from just being a bruiser to being more elusive to having better cardio to being able to move a lot better he's going to need to drop weight we talked about going from your rookie body type to your second year body type James Washington is another prime example of that with Benny losing this weight number one it lets you know that he takes his profession seriously and I'm more impressed with him doing it this year than James Washington last year because last year was a normal offseason. Last year, you knew what you were preparing for. Last year, there was no uncertainty of would there be a season, would there not be? Would there be OTAs, would there not be? Right. So for James, he never had to deal with the the mental battle of am I doing this 
as a waste of time or am I really going to get a chance to implement it? Whereas with Benny, he had to endure all of that this offseason. Then when you get a chance to debut it, which should have been in April, he <laughs> didn't even get that. So he had to sustain it that much longer. It's and true. it's a lot harder to work out and, and get your body the way it needs to be when you're by yourself not playing football. Hmm. Once you get here to training camp and you put the pads on, you're going to lose even more weight. Sure. You're going to get in better shape because you're running a you're lot more. You're out there sweating yeah, and running absolutely. in the sun every day. Yeah. The sun, the the extra pads, the hand-to-hand combat. So when, when I look at Benny, I'm like, man, Benny had to wait even longer to debut this, which means he had to be more committed to it. Hmm. And that's the thing that I'm so proud of, right? Because it's one thing to say you want to do this. It's another thing to have the mindset and then to go out there and and, and implement that. And you can hear the praises from not only, you know, him talking about it, but Coach Tomlin speaking on him as well. Those are the things, man, that that are really impressive about him. And that's why I have a lot more confidence in him going into this season. Because we that was the biggest thing with Benny. I was like, man, I feel like he was very talented, but the weight is the issue. And seeing him drop that on that type of level, and it wasn't, like I said, a five-pound thing. This is substantial in terms of the weight that he dropped. D'Angelo Williams is another guy that did the same thing, man. It's huge in terms of their success, man. He's going to feel a lot better. He's going to have, in terms of his uh, conditioning, is going to be way better. He's going to be able to do what he does a lot longer and a lot harder. That's that's the beauty of it, man. So for me, man, I think it's a great situation for him. I think that, honestly, going into this season, I don't know if necessarily he'll reap the benefits of it early on in terms of playing time. Sure. He's going to have a role without a doubt early in the season, but it's going to be minimized because of James Conner, obviously. But I do think that Benny, if he can continue to be productive how he's being in practice right now, continue to make sure that his body is in the right conditioning from a weight standpoint, I think he can carve out a very, very defined role for him by weeks four, five, Hmm. and six. I think he's that talented, and along with them trying to – not overuse James Conner. Sure. It's it, would, gonna, it would help James Conner. It's going to be a perfect too. scenario. Yeah. That's and a real running mate yes, for James Conner. Yes, and, yeah. and the biggest reason why we were skeptical was because of okay, is he going to take it serious from a body transformation standpoint? Because we talk about it numerous. <laughs> we, we talk about it with numerous players, but not everyone takes it serious. Not everyone understands it. Some people will say, "Well, look, man, I can still ball out at two twenty. Let me play at two twenty. And it's like, yeah, you could ball at two twenty, but you can dominate at two oh eight. Like, it, it, it's it's a difference to that thing, man. And it looks like Benny Snell is understanding that, so I'm excited for him, man. Me as well. I think all Steeler Nation should be, too. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. we will hear from Benny Snell in hour number two. We're going to get to our first break here on the other side. The head coach, Mike Tomlin, will give his daily practice report, so don't go anywhere. Plenty to get to here in the next all oh, two hours and 40 minutes or so. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Here we go. Time to go to Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin speaking after practice. Here he is. Some of our competition periods, it was offensive passing game related things and defensive coverage related things um running backs and tight ends versus linebackers inside and out and some and some coverage and things of that nature it was a good day good energy and spirit uh given the attire that we had um no news is good news on the injury front um not a lot of new stuff a couple of guys that 
that uh, were unable to finish yesterday, Kevin Dodson uh, and Dax Raymond, appear to be more short-term, short-term related injuries, uh, nothing of any um, significant long-term um, concerns. Some of the guys that have been uh, missed some time are working their way back. Um, James Washington worked in a limited capacity today. Chris Wormley worked in a limited capacity today. Uh, but largely, it was a very productive day given the, the attire. Uh, we focused on things that we could focus on and, and had a very good productive day. Now the guys get an off day and ready to gather themselves for, for a big weekend. Be happy to address any questions you might have. First question, Mark Caboli. Mark, go ahead. Hey, Mike, about that first drill, the two-minute drill, uh, what did you like from your offense here? They seem to move the ball pretty well. And number two is, did Switzer make that touchdown catch or did Watt sack Ben? What was your rolling? You know, we we make a point of talking about the drills being football-like and not football. And so the, the essence or the emphasis in the two-minute are the plays that are made down the field, the game mechanic things uh, on both sides of the ball, the giving and receiving of information. The rush and the protection is less significant and is really um, tapered in that, in that, you know, drill. So whether or not somebody is sacked or pressured is less relevant. And it's about the other elements of the drill. Um, I, I wasn't at a perspective where I could see what happened with Switz. I assumed that he got in because the guys down there signaled it a touchdown. Next one is from Brooke Pryor from ESPN.com. Brooke, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Uh, when we talked to Juju earlier this week, he was asked, what he brings that's unique to the wide receiver room that nobody else has, and he said that was being the fun guy. But what, from your perspective, can he do that's different from all of your other receivers? You know, I I think he brings more experience than the rest, and that experience provides a platform for expertise, wisdom, uh, guidance, uh, among other things. I'm just talking about intangible qualities that his journey separates him from the rest of them. His talents are his talents. Uh, they speak for themselves. Um, he's got a unique skill set. He's very sturdy. He's got strong hands. He's a very good combat catch guy. But I'm more concerned about the intangible things that his journey to this point brings. He's a young guy, but he has a wealth of experience. He's been to the Pro Bowl and things of that nature that the other younger guys in the room can lean on and glean information from. Next one is Mike Pursuta, DVE. Mike, go ahead. Mike, regarding special teams, do the circumstances make it harder to figure those out? And do you think the circumstances, the whole COVID thing and the way your camps are set up, is that going to make for more uncertainty early in the season on special teams? You know, I don't know if it's going to change the quality of play or the level of play. I know it probably creates some anxiety, some anxiety for coaches um, who are used to a certain procedure or a certain process in order to get a group ready to play or get a, individual ready to play we'll know less about some of the young men in particular that are on coverage units and in return units in september but it'll be the same for all 32 teams so from that standpoint it'll be fair and i'm just focusing on ways to provide capable men of proving that they belong so we can make sure we make the appropriate decisions in terms of not only who stays and who goes but the division of labor within it next one joe rudder from the trib joe go ahead yeah, hey, Mike, um, what do you like about Ryan Switzer in that slot role, and did he bring a little bit of that in that uh, first uh, drill today? You know, he brings he brings big-time experience to that position, not only 
NFL playing experience, but uh, college playing experience. Uh, I've seen him in that position some in Heinz Field when he played at UNC. Um, he's a guy that understands that that's a, a niche for him. So, you know, he, he embraces the detail required to, to be successful in there. He'll continue to carve out his role in this process like everybody else is, but he does bring that unique experience uh, to that position specifically. Next one is Jenna Harner from WPXI. Jenna, go ahead. Hey, Mike, I know obviously it's early with you guys putting the pads on, but I know that was one of the things you said you were most looking forward to when the rookies came in was kind of seeing what they were going to be able to do when you guys did put the pads on. What have you kind of seen from them so far that's impressed you guys? You know, I don't know that I've seen anything that's overly impressive. Um, You know, we're still in the get-to-know stage, and really we pit young guy versus young guy at this juncture. And, and when a young guy shows consistent dominance against his peers, and then we put him in a more competitive circumstance. So we're still in the sorting out process of young guy versus young guy. And as those guys begin to show distinguishing traits in that competition, we'll step up their level of competition and, and play them against some of the older guys. Okay, final question goes to Brian Batko from the Post-Gazette. Brian, go ahead. Hey, Mike, I'll ask you another special teams question since we talked to Danny Smith this morning. How tough is it to stage a punting competition when you don't have any preseason games to see those punts? And specifically in your guy's case, when the young guy who is maybe here to push Jordan hasn't even had any game film uh, in two years. Shoot, you're just you're just talking about a portion of the uh, of the of the issues relative to sorting that out. How about the holding element of it? as well, which is also a component of the job. But that's the challenge that we're all faced with. And, you know, there's a, a lot of those battles in terms of the division of labor that's that's worrisome in this environment. We'll push through it. We'll create a competitive environment. The guys have a lot to do with that, uh, the way that they embrace the competitive practice atmosphere that we have, um, aids in, in sorting some of those things out. But make no mistake, there's there's many layers to that discussion and others. And uh, it's, it's a challenge that all of us globally are faced uh, in this no preseason game environment. Okay, thank you. Mike Tomlin, after practice today, his daily post-practice press conference, a reminder that all Steelers training camp media availabilities are presented by your neighborhood Ford store, the Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. couple things there during uh, the coach's comments, Motsi, that I wrote down that I wanted to discuss with you. He opens up saying no news is good news, no additional injuries for the Steelers today. That's something you and I haven't really talked about much. Um, there was the Kevin Dotson unfortunate news yesterday. Um, you know, James Washington missed some time. That's something Mike Tomlin talked about, but he was able to get some work uh, in Chris today. Chris Wormley, another Chris one. Chris Wormley, yeah. another one. It seems like not... You know, nothing like we've seen um, with some of these guys around the league who have already been ruled out for the year with, mm-hmm. with potential long-term injuries. That's going to be something that it's going to be one of those, like, we'll take it for granted unless we don't type things. You know right. what I mean? Like we, it, It's like Mike Tomlin said, no news is good news. Mm-hmm. I just think it's important to point that out because we've been fortunate in that regard so far. Not every team has been fortunate. I mean, even here in Pennsylvania, you and I were texting this morning, a guy yeah. that we both like, Miles Sanders, is listed as week to week with an injury as of today. And that's, I mean, their third key player between him, Javon Hargrave, and uh, Derek Barnett. Yeah. So, yeah, man, when you're talking about the injuries that are sustained the across the league. I mean, the Cowboys have had a significant injury. Yeah, I mean, Gerald McCoy, he signed a three-year, $18 million deal there. You saw he tore his quad. So 
The Niners just lost another wide receiver. Mm-hmm. It's been a lot going on, man. It's it's very reminiscent of that 2011 year when there was that that the lockout season we're talking about, where there was no OTAs, where training camp was condensed as well. Hmm. And ultimately, man, we saw a lot of injuries early on in that season. And, I mean, honestly, throughout that season, we saw just a ton of players going down, being hurt, and and having substantial injuries that cost them, you know, four or five weeks, some guys for the season. I mean, shoot, not only what I think back on it, that was the year in Buffalo. We started off 5-0, and yeah. or excuse me, started off 4-1, and one, and we ended up having 25 guys end up on IR that year, which was crazy at the time. So... That's just a part of it. We talk about the build-up process to getting your body prepared for football. And, I mean, we sat here, and I didn't joke about it, but we kind of laughed a little bit about how people overlook OTAs. They say it doesn't matter. They overlook mini camps. They overlook uh, uh, the, the the veteran mini camps, rookie mini camps, mm-hmm. things on that line. Preseason games. And, and they just think that you just show up and you're good to go. And it's like, no, you have to get your body physically prepared for football. No matter how much you run in or in shape, it's different when you start putting pads on, that added weight, that fatigue element, how you cut with the cleats on versus turf shoes or sneakers. There are a lot of things that go into that, and you have to get the muscle repetition built up, and you don't do that when you don't have OTAs and minicamp and things like that going into it. So when you get to training camp, you do need to be a lot more thoughtful of those situations and I mean just even hearing some of what Coach Simon was talking about we'll get into it a lot more just him choosing today to have just helmets and no pads is things like that where you can see him trying to balance that because for any coach or any player any fan to think that hey it doesn't matter just get out here full go from the start of padded portion practice until the regular season starts if you do that and don't think you're going to have significant injuries you're lying to yourself you have to find ways to dial it back at certain points where you focus more so on teaching and less about the physical element of it. But then you're going to have to have that physical element at times as well. I think that's fair, and you would know, Arthur Motes. Uh, And speaking of the kind of the balance of the physical element and some of the other, you know, maybe the finer details, if you were, if you will, pardon me, uh, helmets only Mm -hmm. today in practice. And Mike Tomlin says that was to focus on passing and defensive coverage. So mm-hmm. why, what's the advantage, what's the difference, right, in strapping up the full pads as opposed to just having helmets on when you're talking in terms of the passing game and, you know, coverage from a secondary standpoint? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> as I talked about just, just a second ago, sometimes you want the physical element of it, right? You want to see those receivers beat uh, press coverage. You want to see, okay, can this receiver hold on to the ball after taking a shot? Can this DB be in the position to give him a shot? Now, in practice, you're still not trying to take his head off or separate him from the ball, but you want to show that, hey, once he catches it, you give him a little something to let him know that, hey, I was in position to make that play. You do those type of things. But when you're talking about taking the pads off, it takes away the physical element of it, and we can solely focus on the concepts from an offense standpoint we can solely focus on hey I want you at this depth I want you at that depth I want this route run like that when you have pads on a lot of times once you start getting these these receivers being pressed and things like that things can change from a depth standpoint and then that doesn't even account for from an offensive line standpoint a lot of times it's like hey y'all are gonna get your time to bang right let me take it easy on y'all today we focus more so on this passing element of it so you know the running game is going to be a little watered down today but we're going to put extra emphasis on throwing the ball today so now okay we're giving the offensive line d line we're taking care of them but then in a day or two 
it'll be the opposite. We're going to be heavy run game, and now we're going to be leaning on you you interior linemen a lot more where the secondary, they're going to have it a lot easier on those type of days. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how you counterbalance it. But from a defensive standpoint, when you take the pads off, the, the number one thing that happens for you is this. You can't just say that, hey, I'm more physical than him, I'm going to win. You have to focus a lot more on your footwork. You have to focus a lot more on your handwork. You got to detail your work. Yeah, we had a a rule where, okay, when you're in pads, it's easy to jam up a receiver. I mean, the pads, they add to your frame. So my target is a lot bigger now, right? So even with that, I don't have to grab you. I can just, if I jam you the right way, I'm going to win early on. Well, now with no pads on, I kind of lose that luxury. I can't jam sure. you. I can't no, jam you the sense. same way I would jam you with pads yeah. on. So now I have to operate a lot more technical from a footwork standpoint. And I cannot grab you at all. I can't grab on your jersey. Uh-uh. Because now I'm, I'm going to compromise, number one, from a rule standpoint. But at the same time, if I'm pulling on you, that can ultimately make you susceptible to some soft tissue injuries and things like that. So when you take the pads off from a defensive standpoint, technique becomes priority number one. Hmm. It becomes, okay, I want to make sure that my eyes are perfect. Wherever I need to be looking pre-snap is where I'm going to be looking. Because I can't say, oh, my eyes were bad, but my hands were great. A lot of times, if you got great hands on a jam, I can be looking at what I'm not supposed to be looking at, but get my hands home on you, and that disrupts your whole thing, and now I'm a good enough athlete to recover from that. You take the pads off, you lose that luxury. Hmm. So that adds a lot to it. And then, like I said, just the finishing of the plays as a DB – you know, okay, it's going to be times where the offense is going to make a, a catch downfield and people are going to hoop and holler because I didn't hit you. But on the defensive side of the ball, I want to see, number one, that you got in position to make the play and you just we could see that you broke down, you were going to make the tackle, and you allowed them to catch the ball and keep going. So those are the things that, that when you take the pads off, like I said, it becomes less about the physical and more about the mental, more about your technique because you don't have those luxuries of – okay, it was a bad play, but my hands were good on the jam. It was a bad play, but I separated him from the ball by hitting him, you know, in, in, not in the head and neck area. I hit him in, <laughs> in, in, in the target order, in the target uh, space. So it was things like that. And then from the receiver standpoint, you don't have to worry about taking those shots. You can be extra – uh, extra confident going across the middle when you're in mm. shirt when you're just in a helmet. Yeah. I don't have to worry about being hit. I don't have to worry about if I'm running a drag route and I'm at five, six yards and Vince Williams is sitting at seven. I don't have to worry about him knocking me down because in padded practice, oh yeah, you're not running no drag route. I'm gonna knock you down. I'm just letting you know right now. Or if you're a tight end trying to come from an underneath route, I'm gonna make sure I get your feet tangled up in this in this uh, D line and stuff like that. When it's just helmets, you don't have to worry about any of that type of stuff. So it benefits both parties, takes away the physical nature of it, but you're still able to get good, crisp work, which is key at this point. It makes sense. And like Arthur Motes always says, you got to detail your work. Got to, man. That's mandatory. The minutia, baby. Especially this time of year, right? Because you got to be getting better week to week. Hey. And what works this week, you better come with something new next week. Hey, all I know is this. You either get better or you get worse. Nothing stays the same when it comes to football, baby. <laughs> ain't that the truth. And ain't that... Just in general in life, in most aspects yeah. as well, too. If you're not getting better, yeah. you're, you're not getting better. Yeah. <laughs> but you're getting worse, man. I mean, every day, man, you either got better today or you got worse. Nothing yeah. stays the same, man. Because, right, because on the days that you're not getting better, somebody else is getting better. Which means so you're losing a step. you got yeah. worse. Absolutely. Yahtzee. Last thing uh, that I wanted to touch on there from Mike Tomlin's post uh, practice media availability. A little special teams talk and a good question there from our buddy Brian. Backo. Shout out to the Batman for for keeping special teams alive, man. And he, you know, Backo asked about uh, the the punter battle and how that's been playing out and mm-hmm. how hard, how difficult that's to do, uh, or how difficult that is to do without any preseason games as evaluations. 
But what it made me think of, Motsi, because I don't want to need to go into that much minutia of a punter battle. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you want to. But I, I, what I mean, it got, I, I've seen some some pretty <laughs> intense punting battles. Just throwing it out there. What it got me thinking is special teams might be a little sloppy early on in the season, huh? Is that fair to expect? Well, I mean, if you think about it historically, special teams is always sloppy early right. on. I mean, you talk about the holding penalties, the blocking the backs. People associate sloppy special teams with bad punting or missed field goals. Sloppy special teams comes from a lack of communication from a protection standpoint. So you typically get your block punts. They happen a lot early in the season, the first two to three weeks. When you talk about the holding penalties, that's the first two to three weeks because guys aren't in the right position. Mm. When you talk about the uh, the blocking of backs, it's because guys don't understand, okay, if it's a 50-50 where I might get my head across or not, the different techniques that you can use in – it's it's the challenges of this is, is when you're working these drills, right? Typically, a punt, punt return, kickoff, kick return, it's a fifty yard plus play, right? In terms of how far the bar yeah. travels, how yeah. far you're sprinting. The issue in practice is if you have your players, how in an offense set, right? Offense, you have ten clips, right? Twelve clip of plays, right? Yes, makes sense. You I'm can't you. have these special team players running 50 sprint 50 yard <laughs> sprint plays 12 consecutive times or four consecutive times it's going to be gas yeah and then that, and, and that's not even counting what they did prior to special teams because special teams usually in the middle of practice so you're either already warmed up coming out of a crazy period anyways <laughs> going to that and then when you get done with that you're going somewhere else trust me I've lived it and it sucked and there's certain days where you know okay Danny Silver lets you know look man this is going to be one of them days you I got to run a lot today but I'm going to take care of you I want you to only go one every four times or one every five reps because otherwise, like, you just physically cannot do that. So the problem with that is this, though. To get in some of these positions, what you have to do is kind of make each drill unique and specific for that. Hmm. So instead of – so when you talk about the the block point, right, of a guy head being behind a person versus in front of him for it to be a block in the back versus a legal block, right, a lot of times you see it once the punt return has caught the ball and he's running across the field, right? When he's going from right to left, a lot of times you'll see the block in the backs happen then because sure. you're trying to beat that defender to the point to get your head across to to, to keep him from getting to your return man. And if you got to step on right. you, you don't really have any angle. Now, now to, you're either hitting him, him on the side or in the back, and now yeah. it's a 15 yarder. It kills your play and yep. ultimately kills your offensive drive. After that, you look at the statistics. Ninety, I think it's like seventy percent of the time after there's been a fifteen yard penalty on a special teams play, the offense typically goes three and out or six and out. No points, no field goals. Hmm. That's just how it works because it's a spot foul. So when you hit that guy at the ten at the twenty yard line, it's going to hit oh, fifteen yards. You do the math on it, or they hit you with a half a distance to the goal. You do the math. If you would have gotten the ball at the thirty five yard line, Correct. all of a sudden you're at your own twenty. Yeah, so yeah. that that's a game changer, right? So. When you start trying, what you start doing is cutting these drills down to we're just going to work this top part of this drill, but only in a 10 yard window. So you're trying to do this drill that takes place 50 yards downfield where you're full speed doing it, and you're trying to do it in a 10 yard window. It's not realistic. So now it becomes more so we're going to talk through this. We're going to do it at a, a fast pace as we can, but it's still not going to be game like. So that's why in the preseason, that's where you usually get those opportunities. To have those guys out there, but a lot of times because of the younger offensive players and younger defensive players, you still don't get the stops you need, right. so you don't even get the luxury of getting a whole bunch of those reps. So now when you get to the season, you typically struggle, but under these circumstances, I anticipate it being a lot worse for the sole purpose of you don't even have those preseason reps anymore. Right. 
at least with the younger guys, it's like you knew in the preseason it was going to suck because you had to play, you had to start on defense, and you're going to play every special team. You know you're going to be gassed, but you're going to get a ton of reps out there by the time the season starts and you're just playing special teams. Well, now you are a lot more familiar with what is required. You know what it feels like to do it in the game, the anxiety, the nerves, everything that goes along with that. You're good, but you're not going to get that. So I fully anticipate it being – and, and like I said – I'm not even worried about the field goal kickers making the kicks because that's going to be that status quo. Those guys practice that is muscle repetition for them. Even when it comes to the punters, the punters punting the ball in terms of hang time, ball placement, and things like that, that's repetition. Either you have that or you don't. Some guys do it more consistently than others, but that's not going to vary based off of this stuff. The stuff that will vary are the block punts, the blocks in the back, and the holding. Those three things, man, you will probably see a lot of early on just because of the lack of game reps with that. And that's not even counting. Here in Pittsburgh, we take it serious. It's some places where special teams is an afterthought. Crazy as that sounds. Yeah. But it's, it's true. That's some true. places they treat special teams as, hey, man, we'll get to that when we get to that. Right now, we need to worry about offensive and defense. Here in Pittsburgh, they they it's an emphasis on it, and that's t- traditionally why – even in tight games, they're not gonna. You're not gonna get beat because of an error on special teams in terms of a block punt, in terms mm-hmm. of a missed tackle, or, or not a missed tackle in terms of a block in the back, in terms of a holding call, things like that. Turnover, right? Yeah. Which absolutely destroyed what you're trying to do. Yeah. No, it's a great call by you. And, and I mean, speaking of that, uh, Dan- Danny Smith spoke earlier today. I'm shout out sure. to my so, gum chewing homie. So we'll see if we can get that audio for you at some point as well. Yeah, it's. Man, I I do not envy him because those guys, like you said, a lot of times uh, that can be the minutia, the the make or break for close in close football yeah. games. I should say, man, I miss my man Danny Smith. Man, there's certain coaches, man, that oh. you come in, you just come in contact with. They He's are one of hilarious. a kind. Golly, man, He's that, hilarious. That's, that's my guy right there. That's that's the one coach that I constantly think about. Like, man, yeah, you you my guy. Strongest jaw in the game. Oh I no, mean. no question, man. They, listen, they say hyenas. <laughs> Have one of the strongest jaws out there. They can bite through the bone to get to the 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 protein and all the nutrients that are in the marrow and stuff like that. I said Danny Smith's the second person that can do that, baby. It's hyenas and Danny yes. Smith. I've seen that man have 30 pieces of bubblegum in his mouth and not the good kind either. The cheap kind that they lose flavor after five chews. Yeah. Yeah. No exaggeration. <laughs> I'm telling you. He's one of a kind. My Legendary. favorite thing that one of a kind about Danny Smith is that he was born and raised in Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. In Pittsburgh, right? Shady side, baby. Um, and since he left Georgia Tech, where he was the running backs and wide receivers coach in 1994, he hasn't lived in the South. Philadelphia, Detroit, Buffalo, mm. D.C., and Pittsburgh. Yeah, man. So he's a northern guy. I love it. But somehow he sounds like he just walked out of like a, a Cajun bayou down in Louisiana when he talks. Very true. I, I love it. I love The first time, right, when two years ago at training camp, uh, my f- my first Danny Smith experience was at lunch. All right, I was, uh, okay, I was okay. sitting there with Dale Lolly, and he came down and he sat at the table and he had lunch with us. Yeah. And afterwards, I said to Dale, I was like, I was like, "Where's that guy from? Like Louisiana? Like where, where's he from?" And Dale goes, "No, he's born and raised in Pittsburgh." I was like, "What?" Shady like, side boys like, and girls how, club, how's that man. Possible? He sounds like Ed Orgeron when he talks. Yeah, like, man. Right, what are we talking about? Shady but side. He, Let's go, he Danny. He certainly got his work cut out for him this season. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. Yesterday, NFL.com did the best nine offenses and defenses in the National Football League. We talked about offense, and we're going to talk about the defense here on the other side. We'll do that when we return. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler, and you are listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR.
Haley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Steelers Blitz on SNR, the top nine defenses. I mean, just why, why couldn't you go to ten? I mean, just make it an even number here. Nah, 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 man. We got to do it the, the the different way, you know. Yeah, we do have to do it the different way, and so because of that, we'll start from the back here, right? Because you know we normally start at the top a lot of times when we do these lists. Top nine defenses in the NFL, according to. The NFL Network and NFL.com. I got a question for you. I got an answer. 17, that's the answer. Does that work? I don't actually like 17s at all. Oh, okay. Yeah. I prefer 18. It sounds a little bit better from a legality standpoint. <laughs> but anywho. <laughs> <laughs> Yahtzee. <laughs> but anywho, I was going to ask you. So yesterday when we did this, right, You didn't. I didn't see this list prior to. Correct. You just read it off. I reacted to it. Correct. Now, today I do have the list in front of me. I have not mm. looked at it, though. So my question to you How is: do you want to do this? Should I not look at it again and just give you my raw reactions, raw emotion, or would you prefer that I start scrolling down and I look so I can have an idea ahead of time? I do like raw emotion. All right, let's do, let's do it that way, then, man. Okay, let's yeah. do it. And you know what? If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We'll be better tomorrow. Bill us. number nine on the list. The New Orleans Saints are their moats. Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, Marshawn Lattimore. You love them Saints too, boy. That is my favorite team. I can't even say it without laughing. I mean, I can't even even lie about it. Number nine, the New Orleans Saints. Number eight, Bears. Mm. At eight? Yeah. Okay. I know. And you know our guy, Vic Fangio. Oh, yeah. It's a great, great name. Great you know, name. I don't know if that defense is the same without him, but we'll see. Khalil Mack bouncing back from a Robert Quinn. down year. They had Robert Quinn, Akeem Hicks back to good health, Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson, Eddie Roquan Jackson. Smith. Jackson. I mean, there's some nice talent bro. on that Eddie defense. Jackson. They just need an offense that can, like, you know, let them rest and keep them off the field from time to time. Well, they do time. got a Super Bowl champ there, Super Bowl MVP. They do. And yeah, now, you know, one. they got a motivated Mr. Trubisky, so you better watch out. I heard that. Dude, he was on what? NFL. <laughs> Can we talk about that? Yeah. He was on NFL Network. And might I add, very nice hat that he was wearing on the oh, NFL man, Network. Oh, man, I'm glad morning. I'm the only one to see it. Okay. Right, he yeah. was talking that smoke this morning. Oh, what? They, they yes. declined my fifth-year option, and they brought oh, in Nick Foles, and I'm motivated, and I feel sharper than ever. <laughs> it's the best I ever felt. <laughs> I've never been this fired up for a season. I'm like so. So, what were you doing the, the, the previous years? That's what I want to know. Arthur Motes, <laughs> I had a uh, I had a coach one time who told us if you need bulletin board material, right. if you need motivation, you belong in the bleachers. No, no, like seriously, man. You either want to be a professional, want to be the best. Oh, so now in year four, because you don't have a contract and they brought in competition, now, uh, now you're taking now, this seriously. Oh, oh man, it, it's the best I ever felt too, man. I've never been this prepared for a season in my life. Uh, th- thanks, like, thanks a lot. You, so you just wasted the three years. How long Khalil Max been there? You just wasted that, essentially. It's like Arthur Motes. It's like I'm playing my little cousins in Madden. <sighs> and uh, all of a sudden, it's the second quarter, and they're beating me 10 nothing, And I like sit up in my chair, and yeah. I'm like, all right, it's time to tar- start taking this yeah. serious. Like, that's what Mitch Trubisky's going to do in year like, four now in the National on, Football man. League. Stop it. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you saw that, too. I was, yes, la- I, I was, <laughs> I was doing my push-ups and it, my sit-ups and my nuts, workouts man. this morning, and I was laughing. Although, like I said, he was wearing a Travis Matthew, which is my favorite golf company. Yeah. Nice hat that he had on this morning. Yeah, but it drives me nuts when people hit me with that. Oh, yeah, man. It's the hardest I've ever worked, oh. man. I'm ready now. Yeah. This is my year. I'm motivated. I'm pissed off. I'm like, 
What was this before then? Okay, well that's great. And if you have a great year this year, does that mean that that all of a sudden in 2021 we're gonna be back to it? It makes me worried. Step forward, three steps back. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Number seven on this list: defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Hold on, what? Number seven. Well, now that I'm thinking about it, I remember how the list went yesterday. Who wrote this list? Who, who's in charge of this uh, it's list? It's your boy, Adam Shine. All right, so let's explain it a lot because we, we <laughs> talked about it yesterday and how what did he, he didn't even have the Browns up there, but he had, was it the, it wasn't the Vikings. I forgot which, it was some bum. Oh, man. And uh, his offense list, he had the yeah. Lions, he had the Raiders. That's what it was, the Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders and the Lions uh, both ranked. He had the Saints like sixth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember now. The, I think the Falcons were on the list there. I'm like, yo, yes. what? No, no, no. The Bengals. That's, that's the team that was supposed to be up yes. there. And I was like, what are you Lions, doing? Lions, Bengals, and Raiders were nine, yeah, eight, and seven. Bunch of nonsense, bro. Hard pass. Number six on this list, the Tampa, sorry, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. You know what? Let's get through this and then we'll because okay. you know it's 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 hard to knock it until you you know until you see what's in front. So number six, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Number five, the Baltimore Ravens. Hmm. Okay. Number four, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Number three, the runner-up, the defending NFC champions, the San Francisco 49ers. They were at three? At three. Jeez. At number two, now Arthur Motes is going to like this. I mean, and I'll say I like this too because it's about time. The Buffalo Bills finally getting some respect. Yeah, there's, there's some respect. But on one of these lists. Number I, two, second best defense in the league. So, so who's number one then? Get, you're going to get Buffalo's off. It's got to be the Niners Patriots are there, right? off. Steelers are off. You haven't said the Patriots. You haven't said the Ravens, right? I have not said right? the Patriots. I did say the Ravens. They were number four. Were four. No, 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 no. Steelers were four. Ravens were five. Ravens were five. Okay, so it has to be Patriots then. It is not the Patriots. As the number one de- as the number one defense in the National Football League. Because I'm trying to think. If you already named Buffalo, uh, Buffalo Steelers, and Ravens, mm-hmm. it's not the Titans. It is not the Titans. It is not the Patriots. What division? AFC West. AFC West. They're one of the hard knocks teams. I don't know. How the Chargers? Works. The Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. What? Now you and I have sung the praises of this defense. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't you put that on me now. They, they're, they're good. They're, they're, they're top notch. They're not the number one defense in the league now. No. Even if Derwin James comes back completely healthy and he's even better than he was. And Joey Bosa stands on his head. And Melvin Ingram. And Desmond King returns to form. And Melvin Ingram ends his holdout and he gets a new contract and all that other stuff. Nah, bro. Top five. May, yeah, sure. Yeah, I can sure. See we could do top five. Number one. I time on, time on. So, so the Chargers, better defense than the Bills, better no. defense than the the Steelers, better no. defense than the Ravens. No, and not the Niners, and definitely not the Niners. I don't see that. Yeah, I don't either. And, and honestly, depending on what New England looks like, last year I would have made a case for them as well. They it's, did lose some key cogs, and they've had some big right, opt outs. That's the biggest thing with yeah. them. I'm just like, I know they got the opt outs. So that's my opt-outs. biggest thing, but. I mean, shoot, on paper, the, the the Bears defense is up there with the Chargers on paper. I think I'd rather, as it stands right now, I think <laughs> Give me I'd the rather Bears have, over the Chargers right now. The yeah. Bears, right? There's just less question marks. Yes, absolutely. And they have the more proven of the star. Derwin James is the Chargers star, right? But we say he and had you one. And you and I both love him. I mean, we love, love him. This, we love but he this had, kid. But he had the one amazing year, and then the second year he was dealing with injuries. He missed, what, all but I think five games. Mm-hmm. And he was not the same in those right. those last five games. Then you have year. Joey Bosa, who's really good. But Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, they're not 
a Khalil Mack. Derwin James, he hasn't done it to the level of Khalil Mack. So that's my biggest issue with that. I'm just like, I, I feel like the Bears on all three levels, they got dogs there. They got players that can come out there and produce. I don't think. I know that they like, got dogs in, in Interior linemen, edge rushers, interior linebackers, corners, safeties. Like, am I missing something here? <laughs> you are not. So why are the charges so high? I don't know. Like I said, if you want to put them at fifth, I buy it. I yeah. buy it. For this year, yeah. For this year. But one, no. Number one, Arthur Motes. Yeah, I'm going to be a homer. I mean, you know I do this. Or oh, whatever. I'm putting the Steelers number one. Number two, I'm going to go Niners. Mm-hmm. Number three, I'll go Bills. Mm-hmm. Number four, I'll go Ravens. And then number five, I would probably have I'd probably have Tampa or, or the Chargers. Yeah. Uh, no, you know what? Number five, I'm going to go Bears. And then number six, I would yeah. have Tampa or the Chargers. Yeah, for me, I'm trying to think, man. Any of those top four that you named – I can make a case for them to be the one, yeah, whether it was you can, Bills, whether definitely. it was Steelers, whether it was Ravens, even the Niners, man. 100%. And, and, and it would be clear, though, I feel like those four are in a tier by themselves right now. I would agree with you. I think the Bears could get back into that tier, yes. but, uh, but I would agree with you that right See, now, like, when, I think when those I think are of the Bears, four al- clearly I put, elite. I would put Bears, Chargers, even Colts. Yep. I, I have them all in that same yep. type of window right there, honestly, man, but... Yeah, to have the charges at one, I, I don't know. Maybe he's doing this for the clicks. He's doing this to get well, us to talk about it. That's got to be it, man. Arthur Motes, this is to remind everybody, and this will play here because this is a, a Pittsburgh audience, and I know that the Steelers brand transcends Pittsburgh. There's mm-hmm. plenty of people I'm listening sure live right now back in the replay on the podcasts who they like the Steelers, and then they maybe like different professional sports teams from whatever city they live in, yeah. right? But I think this analogy will play with, with most of our listeners. All you need to know about Adam Shine, all right? Is that the I day? He was a Jets fan, wasn't he? I think he is. Yeah, Arthur Motes. The day after, not a week later, not a month later, the day after the Washington Capitals won their first Stanley Cup in 2018. Yes, he opened his show by saying that Alexander Ovechkin was now a better hockey player than Sidney Crosby. That's all you need to know about oh, Adam Schultz. Oh God! He did 15 minutes on why Ovi time, was time now time better time than Sid. The day after the Caps finally yes. got past the first, or the second round for only the first and still the only time in no, Alexander. No, I, I remember career. him even more so because I remember that. But then he also did a top 100 list and did not have Mika Fitzpatrick. Up yes, there. I said you're gonna so tell me it's, like it's 100 players in the NFL that are currently better than Mika Fitzpatrick. Nonsense. Maybe he just doesn't like it's Pittsburgh. Uh, you know what, Motsi? I heard that he did top nine, um, you know, uh, baseball stadiums in America too, and he didn't even write about PNC Park. I, I oh, heard, I man. heard that too. Gotta get his eyes fixed, man. He just, you know, he came to Pittsburgh one time, and uh, I don't know what happened. Maybe, he had a maybe, bad experience at Manny's or something. Yeah, well, that's I don't what know. It was. He either had a bad pierogi, some <laughs> hurt his stomach, the coleslaw didn't go well with the man, and now he's over here scorned forever. You know what it was? He uh, tried to go to one of Arthur Motes' tailgates, and he Ooh. he tried to drink an Iron City beer, but hey. he just, you know, he just he didn't have the stomach for it. He ain't shotgunning the right way, baby. <laughs> So there it is. There's our uh, our top defenses conversation. One hour in the books, two more hours to go. We're going to hear from Stefan Tuitt. We're going to hear from Benny Snell in the next two hours. We will also have a little Best of the West Wednesday today. So a whole bunch planned for you. And don't go anywhere. And keep those tweets rolling in. At Wesley Euler, at the Body 52. The Body. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. 
Good evening, Steeler Nation. How we doing? Immaculate. Well, that's good. Me too. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, hour number two inside the electric factory. It's our little corner of the world we call Steelers Blitz, where we talk some football and we try not to bite each other's heads off from time to time here on the program. Uh, a whole bunch going on today. Uh, we heard from Mike Tomlin earlier. Also today speaking, Benny Snell and Stefan Tuitt. And let's start with Benny Snell, because we talked about him at the top of the hour uh, the to open the show, I should say. Uh, him talking about confirming that he's cut weight, what, that he's down uh, to around 210, 212 pounds, and how he just, things have slowed down for him. He's picked up more. He's feeling more comfortable, more set now, heading into his second, his sophomore season uh, in the National Football League with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Here's what Benny Snell had to say this afternoon. All right, everybody, appreciate your time. Uh, have Benny Snell here. Just a reminder, raise your hand, we'll call on you. And um, let's start with uh, Mark Caboli of The Athletic. Mark, go ahead. Hey, Benny, how are you doing? Um, my question is, uh, just by looking at you, you look like your little trim here. Um, how much was that you wanting to get in better shape in the offseason? The Steelers wanting you to get in better shape, and how do you think that will help you this season? I think it was uh, kind of a group decision. You know, I felt like there were um, things that I could have worked on coming coming out of last year already to begin with. So um, Steelers gave me a plan. Um, I stuck to it, and I feel like it'll help me uh, a ton going into this year with my lateral quickness, my speed, um, you know, me taking care of my body, the hits I can take, et cetera. All righty, let's move on to Brooke Pryor of ESPN. Brooke, go ahead. Hey, Benny, we've heard from uh, James Conner and a couple of, of the other guys how much the offense changes when Ben is back in there. Just from your perspective, how much does it change? How much better can the run game be? With, uh, with Ben back in their quarterback? Um, it's it's going to pick up tremendously. Um, Ben's able to change the pace of the game, um, be able to uh, make the calls at the line um, much quicker, makes us all one, um, you know, when we're out there. So um, it's huge that he's back. Um, it's exciting to see him out there um, back 100%, ready to go. Let's go to Mike Prezuda. Mike, go ahead. Benny, I'm, I'm curious, what did you take the most out of your experiences last year? And if you had to be the guy this year, could you be? Uh, the experiences that I took from last year is, um, it's, the, it's a lot of the little things you got to take care of, um, whether it's film, whether it's workouts, uh, whether it's knowing what you got to do for what play. Um, I feel like it's the, it's the little things. Um, that'll make it all come into place um, to take a bigger part. Thanks, Mike. Let's move on to Will Graves of the Associated Press. Will, go ahead. Hey, Benny. Um, you know, Coach Faulkner last week talked about how, you know, you show that you get better as the game goes on. But when you look at the, what you guys have in the backfield, you added a guy in the offseason, so there might be fewer opportunities. Is there anything that you – I mean, is there anything to, like, quote, starting faster, or is it just 
you know, sort of one of those deals where you're just going to have to kind of do what you do? Um, I was I was brought here to play football, and that's what I love doing. So I'm going to play my football uh, the best that I can whenever I'm out there. So we'll see from there. All righty, let's go to Brian Backo. Brian, go ahead. I have an actual question, but first, just wanted to um, get more of a clarification. Do you still weigh 224 as you're listed on the roster? I know they don't always update that stuff. Uh, no, sir. I'm actually 212 right now. Okay, thanks, Benny. All right, on to my actual question. Um, you know, Coach Tomlin, uh, players have talked about kind of what you have to do in this time of COVID-19. You guys aren't in a bubble like the NBA or the NHL. What do they tell you in terms of trying to kind of create that virtual bubble? I mean, is it as simple as like just make good decisions or are there actual, you know, advice in terms of like don't go to restaurants and stuff like that? Just what's the communication uh, been like from, you know, from the coaches and whatnot? So far it's been, um, it's been not avoid like big areas where there's a lot of people, um, me, myself, personally, I, I just go to work and I go home. Like, I have everything that I need, so I don't need to put myself in, um, you know, situations where there's other people there or, you know, whatever the case may be. But we just keep it home and in here. All righty. Let's uh, move on to Aditi Kinkobala. Aditi, if you're on, go ahead. Hey, Benny, there are a gazillion challenges in not having spring practices and having this like different training camp. When you look at that, what do you think is the biggest challenge to running backs? Is it ball security? Is it getting hit enough? Is it getting the physical work that you need? I mean, what's the piece that you're like, okay, I'm really going to have to focus on this? Good question. I, I think it's probably, maybe it's the getting hit, hit enough. Um, you don't get to get those live looks that you would normally get um, with different circumstances. Uh, getting a lot of fastballs, uh, getting a lot of change of the calls, um, a, lot of, a lot of things uh, come into play. But, you know, being, not being able to see that live look often uh, is pretty different. So I try to make the most whenever we're out there. All righty, uh, let's move on to Dejan. Dejan, are you on this time? I think we missed you last time. No, it's still me, uh, Dale. Okay. Gotcha. Um, oh, Dale, you're on. Okay. Yeah. I got you. No. Hey, Benny, Go uh, you got a decent amount of playing time last year, but you're still a second-year guy. Um, would you have liked to have had some preseason games to show off maybe some of that new lateral quickness, maybe, uh, you know, show off a little more of your pass-catching skills in a game? I would. I, I definitely would. But, you know, we still have a whole season ahead of us, so – that, that's my opportunity. That's my chance. That's, that's why I'll, I'll try to show it. All right, we got time for two more. Uh, let's go to Tim Benz. Tim, go ahead. Benny, I was wondering if the coaches have spoken to the backs collectively about what they are looking at in terms of roles being carved out for you guys. Are they looking at everybody as a quote-unquote back by committee, or do you see individual jobs carved out for you guys? I would say that I think there's um, roles called carved out. You know, Jay Sam, for example, is a, a great back that can that shows his catching ability and what he can do. Um, 
as well as being like a third down back. Um, and I would say the same for James. Like James has a different role in, in those beginning downs of how he can display on what, what he can do. So um, I feel like that's amongst the coaches, but we, we as players, we play. All righty, we'll wrap it up with Jenna Harner. Jenna, go ahead. Hey, Benny, I know you guys have just put the pads on earlier this week, but what's impressed you, a guy in your second year, about the rookies the most? What interests me the most uh, is how, how the, the love for football, the love for football. They, they're, they're willing to learn. Um, I've, I've caught myself um, teaching a few guys um, some things that I, I was questionable about uh, last year being a rookie myself. So um, they have a love for the game. They want to get better. Um, they maximize what they can do when we're out there on the practice field. So it's an exciting group. All right. Thanks, everybody. Um, that'll wrap Benny Snell speaking to the Pittsburgh media earlier today. You know, Motsi, you and I in the first hour were talking about how, in a way, right, you could certainly argue, you could certainly think that an emergence of Benny Snell would help James Conner in a way. It would give him a true running mate. I just thought of a question for you. Ooh, I like questions. And this might be a little bit of a loaded question. Like, I don't know, this might catch you by a little surprise. Like, you might need a second to think about this one. If I give you an option, right? If we're, uh, you know, you and I were uh, heading to the casino. We're in Vegas. Don't go to Vegas, by the way, right now. You know, pandemic, all that stuff. What if I wore a mask and socially distanced at the slot machine? I mean, that'd be okay. I'd bring a lot of hand sanitizer if you're going to be playing the slot. (laughs) All right, I'll I'll go to Blackjack. It'll be safe with Blackjack, right? You and I were in Vegas right now, right? And uh, it was like, you know, craps roulette style sports betting game. And I gave you one chip, Arthur Motes. Okay. Okay. And I said you can either put it down. How much is the chip? <laughs> this is a family show, so we don't assign. Uh, uh, you know, okay, we don't okay. assign uh, monetary value here. Just out of curiosity, over here. This I got is you. all figuratively speaking. Okay, okay, fair enough. Because you know, you and I are responsible with our uh, with our money, and we never have any degenerate tendencies. Even though we literally have a segment on our show called "Show Me the Money." I digress. <laughs> I'll give you a chip, Arthur Motes, and I can tell you that you can put it down on one of two things. Okay. And it's going to be the question is going to be who is going to lead the Steelers in rushing, or who is going to have more rushing yards? Is the way I should put this, James Conner, or the rest of the running backs in that group combined? Mm. Which chip would you put down? Who finishes with more yards, James Conner solo or combined? Snell, yeah. McFarlane, that's a good question. Jalen Samuels, Kareth White. Uh, Wendell Smallwood, yeah. you got James Conner or you got the field? I'm going to be a homer here. James is my guy. I'm going James. He said he's healthy. He broke the internet with his back. Everything's <laughs> looked apart. I'm rolling with James, man. Because broke the internet because, with his back. Because <laughs> I know when James is healthy, man, he's a Pro Bowl caliber player. I know when James is healthy, he can do a lot of things, man. He, he, he could be a very productive player. He can pass like he can catch. He can run after. He does a ton of things for you, man. So I'm banking on him being fully healthy. I'm banking on him being his best, the best version that we've seen of James Conner. And if that's the case, along with Big Ben being back out there, yeah, I think he's going to be very successful. I think he's going to have more yardage than all those guys combined. As much as I think that Benny Snell is going to have a very productive season, I do think Benny is going to have a very defined role, like I talked about in the first segment. I just still believe that James Conner is going to be the feature back, though. I think it'll be a scenario where 
James is obviously having success this season, but Benny Snell is their change of pace back or their short yardage back, the goal line situation back, where Benny's still going to have a very defined role, going to be very uh, successful in that role. But you still, it's, it's very clear that, hey, this is the starting running back. Very similar to Le'Veon and D'Angelo Williams. Yes. Le'Veon was the clear-cut guy, but you knew if Le'Veon came off, D'Angelo coming there, regardless if he needed to play 30 snaps or only 10 snaps, he was going to make sure that those were the best snaps that you saw from him that day. He was going to be very productive. And if the situation arose where D'Angelo had to be the guy for an extended period of time, which we saw as well, well, you know he's going to produce at a high level also. So that's why I'm thinking a similar type situation between James Conner and a guy like Benny Snell or the field. Now, what say you, though, my, my degenerate counterpart? I think – and again, like it's it's a close, it's close. Is, got, it, a, like, is it a hundred dollar chip? I know how you feel, man. You big rolling. You spend big. You know, I have a dream. Bet big, win big. What was the Chris Tucker line that we can all gamble with one hundred dollar chips? Yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> hey, you need it every once in a while, man. Get the blood flowing. Um, I think I'm with you. I and 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 what you touched on at the end there i think is the key um we you and i know that mike tomlin wants to have you used the words feature back right yes. that's mike tomlin's style from willie parker to lev bell uh, i mean and i shouldn't have uh, glossed over rashard mendenhall there as well too uh to to james conner these past you know couple seasons Mike Tomlin likes to have the guy in the backfield and so you and i have stated right when you have these type of hypothetical conversations you have to assume health across the board, right? Because mm-hmm. this is the National Football League. Benny Snell could get injured, too. Yeah. Anthony McFarlane could get injured, too, Absolutely. right? In this conversation, it's not just James Conner who can get injured. You have to kind of assume health, I think, when you're having these hypothetical conversations. That's something you and I have agreed upon in the past. So with all that and with how I know Mike Tomlin wants this thing to look in a perfect scenario, I agree with you. I think I would put my $100 chip down on James Conner versus the field. Big money. Woo! Arthur Motes. I mean, how could you not be believing in James, though, man? Just the offseason that he had in terms of the, the, the work that he put in, from what we can tell from a social media standpoint, obviously we weren't around him 24-7 to truly know how hard he worked and things like that. But just based off of what we've seen from a body composition standpoint, he looks the part. He looks like he put a lot of work in. He looks like he focused on his nutrition a lot more as well. Yeah. And, yeah, he's fired up. Obviously, he's in a contract year, so you know the the ramifications associated with that. And he has a lot of people doubting him. I mean, we talk about Juju being under pressure. James Conner, I mean, he at times he's like the afterthought on the offense, man. So mm-hmm. he's definitely going to have that chip on his shoulder even more so now. So I'm believing him. If you want to chime in on this, if you would take James to lead the Steelers in that's see again that's the wrong way to put it because if you're taking someone to lead the Steelers in rushing, who is going to have more rushing yards, James Conner James or the field or the or field the combined? If you've got to say on that, tweet us at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. When we come back here, Arthur Motes, our top ten series continues, and I gotta say I don't think this one will be quite as passionate as yesterday. I mean, <laughs> we're gonna talk offensive tackles today. I don't think we'll quite yell as much about them as we did the quarterbacks yesterday. But hey, you never know. I mean, it could happen. 
So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> we will talk some tackles on the other side. Keep those tweets rolling in. Uh, we got a whole bunch to get to. Uh, and a reminder, too, with that Benny Snell audio that we just played, all Steelers training camp media availabilities presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Going to take a break to pay the bills here, but we'll have more on the other side. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. You know Arthur Motes who needs more respect? R-E-S-B-C-T. Man, I, thought I, I thought I was the singer in the group here. Hey, man, I, I told you, you play these soul tunes, you can get me up here singing on every break, man. Jeez. I thought I was the one who tried to flex, and tried being the keyword, flex the golden pipes on the show here. Well, well that's because those songs were more, you know, your style. <laughs> These are more my style. What do you mean by my style? It means I'm a soulful brother. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur Motes, offensive linemen, they don't get enough R-E-S-P-E-C-T. You're right, they don't. I mean, at the high school level, at the college level, in the NFL level. I mean, let's not even pump fake. We was about to disrespect them as well. Yeah, so a little behind the scenes look. <laughs> Moats and I had planned today, right? And we we usually in the morning, you know, we'll exchange a couple texts. Like I texted Motsy and I was like, hey, just to give you a heads up, Tuit and Snell are speaking today, right? So we'll talk about Tuit and Snell at some and, point. And I texted him, for example, and was like, I'm going to punch you in your eye if you ever say that you'll take Dak Prescott over Tom Brady. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. He like, said, I woke, up, I woke up this morning feeling angry. You know, I'm feeling dangerous I just, today. I just, you know, I wanted to just elbow drop you from the top rope all night. You know, stuff like that. We just text each other sweet nothings in the morning. Uh, um, we had originally planned to let's do our top 10 offensive linemen in the NFL. Yes. And Motes and I got in here and we both kind of looked at each other and we were like, dude, like that's like no way. Like yeah. that's too hard. So we're going to do tackles today mm-hmm. and then tomorrow we'll do interior. So we'll, sorry, guards and centers. We'll lump the guards and centers together. Well, they kind of like the same person anyway. I mean, it's true. And to be fair, right, there's two, we got left and right tackles. So it's, it's, you know, it's two slots well, we're, that were. And very different too in mm-hmm. terms of what they present and how mm-hmm. much you hold them in terms of the weight of their position and their productivity. 100%. It's kind of like comparing a number one receiver to a slot receiver. Very true. If you're if, hey, Julian Edelman, you're cool. I, you might be the best slot receiver ever. But you're not a DeAndre Hop, you're not a DeAndre Hopkins or Julio Jones or AB or Michael Thomas like it's way different. You're not Calvin Johnson right, out right. here. Right. You 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 can be a shutdown corner as a slot corner, but it ain't the same as when you that dog is out there matching up with number one receivers. You feel me? I am picking up what you are putting down. With all due respect, uh, you going first today? We switching it up? I actually do want to go first, man. Uh, I'm excited about this, Let's bro. do it. We start at the back or we start at the front? Start at the back. Yeah? And we start at the front? Hey, listen, you, it's your show. You know what you, you want to do. You know what? You, you tell me how you want me to do it today, man. Jeez. Since, since I, I can't even come up here and just even freelance on my own, you got to have me over I here like telling f- what I'm going to do before him. I like the <laughs> Like, jeez. I, I, I ain't realize I didn't have no options here. All right. So wh- whatever you say, Mr. Eula, sir. All right. Whatever you say. <laughs> jeez. Now, see, what we have here Uh is failure to communicate. (laughs) Some men Uh you just can't reach. Uh Uh-oh. So you get what we had here today, Uh which is the way he wants it. (laughs) 
I like the way we. <laughs> I like uh, how we've been doing the uh, start at ten, do three at a time. I, yeah. I like this suspense building format. Well, and I was going to ask, do with. you even have honorable mentions when it comes to the tackle spot? I have two. Okay, perfect. We're good. Then. Yep. All right. So for my first three, <laughs> first three. <laughs> Coming like, in at number 10. Is it the first three or is it the last three? I like, there's some know. NCAA, yeah, 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 like, March right. Madness bubble tournament here. You're, you're right. You're right. My, 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 my last three in. My last three in. <laughs> there we go. My last three in. Starting at number 10. Had to go with Ryan uh, Ramchek with the Saints, man. <sighs> Very productive player. On top of that, he's been protecting for arguably a top five quarterback the past however many years. And he's super young, 26 years old, has an all pro to his name and things like that. Um, yeah, his track record speaks for itself, man. Just a very, very productive yes, player, does. man. Very, very productive. Now, even though he's the right tackle, he ain't playing on the left, that's part of the reason why he's a little bit lower on this list compared to being higher when you start to get into some of these premier left tackles who we know. And for those that don't understand the, the significance of a right tackle versus left tackle. Tell them. Your right tackle, they traditionally are going against the second best edge rusher, right? The, the, the guy who's really good, but he's not your T.J. Watt per se. He's not... Uh, your Miles Garrett, your your Von Miller's Chandler Jones, those type of guys. So you're gonna a lot of times with the right tackle, you have help sometimes whether it's via tight end, whether it's a running back chipping. The quarterback and most of the quarterbacks are right handed, so they can see if you get beat, it's not the end of the world. A lot less pressure. Whereas your left tackle, they're play they're blocking your premier edge rushers, and their uh, position is more important because if they mess up, if they get beat. That's the quarterback's blind side. We talked about the movie The Blind Side. We've seen <laughs> what happened to Joe Theismann. Like, yeah. it's legit. That blind side gets beat. Bad things. Alex Smith, prime example, man. Like, yes, that's yeah, a great. You that's get a beat on the, blind, on the blind too. side, man. It can get really gory. Let me ask you this as a quick digression to this conversation. Yeah. If then, if you have a left-handed quarterback, uh huh. Now it flips. Is the right? Does then yes. the right tackle becomes Absolutely. a greater priority than the left tackle? Yes, indeed. Absolutely. Okay. So that's why typically, like when Vic was playing, for example, Mike Vic, whoever his right tackle was, you knew it was more onus on that player because you knew, okay, that's that quarterback's blind side. No different than how each, you know, and we said, well, each team like is geared for their quarterback. So. For example, with the Ravens, they hold more weight on their running backs and their tight ends Correct. because of the offensive style. Correct. Whereas, okay, if this is a, a left-handed quarterback, that right tackle is going to be, hey, we need to pay him. We need to make sure we have a great right tackle mm -hmm. because Vic can't see that. You ready for conspiracy theory here? Uh-oh, let's get it. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, right? Tank for Tua. Uh-huh. Tua's left-handed. Oh, there we go. That's why they got rid of Laramie Tunsel. Doesn't it? Left doesn't tackle. They were like, man. listen, a year from now, we're going to have Tua. We need the right tackle. Yes. We're not paying Tunsil this crazy money. I'm telling you, man. You don't need to lay. Play the conspiracy. When, when, play the when Wesley Euler conspiracy. Listen, if he's left-handed, man, it makes perfect sense, man. And it's only weird if it's not true. This is true. You know it. It's that, true. That it's ends big time this, true. That ends this conspiracy session with Wesley yeah. Euler. Tune in tomorrow to find out what's next. Jeez. So you uh, got Ram check number 10. Yeah, so now at number 9, man, I got to go to Green Bay with this man, and I'm going to butcher his name, but I believe it's David Bakatari. I think I said that right, right? You did? did? It sounded like I said that right, You crushed it, man. just you like know. he crushes beers at the Bucks games. Yeah. Now, well, now, not during a pandemic. Well, we'll see. Keep, keep it COVID positive, right? <laughs> well, no, well, not <laughs> COVID yeah, positive. Keep COVID negative. COVID negative, me. which is positive. You, you catch what I'm saying. You, you get it. You know what we mean. You, you feel me. But right here, man, with David, man. Once again, man, very productive player. Wow, number nine. I, I do have him at number nine, man. I, I, and this is the thing, man. Could I put him higher? Sure. I do think he's a very productive player, not only in the pass game, but in the running game as well. 
it's just I don't know, man. It's something about these Green Bay players, man. They, they just don't do enough for me. Mm. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. They just don't move the needle enough for me, man. But I definitely got to put respect to him, man, because he's been doing this for a while, and I understand that he's dealt with, you know, some some uh, not not long term injuries, but he's had some injuries along the way, and that's fine. But he is still a very very productive player, so that's why he's on my list at number nine. And then at number eight, I got to go with the big baby, the mammoth of a man, Trent Brown. Holy cow, man. When you talk about just a large individual, man, a guy that you think he's overweight. I mean, he comes in weighing 6'8", 380. Sometimes looks bigger than that. Yeah, he's but a he big dude. he can move, man. He could move. He can he's pass block. He can run block. Dude. He's only 27 years old, too. Yeah, super young, man. You saw the success that he had when he went out to uh, New England, won a Super Bowl, ended up getting paid big time to come back to the Raiders when they were in Oakland. Now he's going to Vegas. It's a great situation for him, man. He, he's just... He's perfect for what you want with him, man. He is listed at 6'8", yeah, man. 380 pounds. When I tell you, he is a mammoth. I mean, that's a four-bill man with his pads on. Yeah. He weighs four bills with the pads on. And, 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 and I can tell you just firsthand, like, he, like when you're standing next to him, you don't realize, cool. like, when you watch him on TV, like, okay, he's a big guy, but when you're next to him... You're like, bro, this doesn't make sense. Because when he's like, on TV, at least he's in his he's, yeah, he's squatted down. He's right. in his position. Like, yeah. He's I, standing I, next to a lot of other big men. Right. I had the opportunity to spend, I think we was out in Vegas for like a week when we were doing the arm wrestling thing a couple of years ago. And I just remember every time we would be around, I'm just like, bro, like, how are you like this? Like, you make, <laughs> and it's probably 30 NFL players in this room, but you make us all like a little brother. Like, this is crazy right now, man. But that's just him, man. And, and, I mean, his productivity has spoken for itself, man, regardless of when he was in uh, Oakland the first time, then when he went to New England, because that was the question, right? Could, could he do it under the on the big stage, protecting Brady, Super Bowl, all this other stuff? He held his own, man. He was fine. Then came back out there to the West Coast, and he's still holding his own, man. Like you said, he's young, 27 years old, so that's why I have young Trent Brown at 8. I like it. So you got Ramchek 10, Bakatari 9, Trent Brown at 8. This is going to be, I think, the most different we've been on these lists because, I mean, this is just, this is tough to evaluate here. All right. Number 10. Yeah, you see, you just got me questioning myself here. I mean, here we go, baby. Here we go. What am I doing here? What am I? What are we doing? Here? I got Trent Brown at number ten. Okay, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I, I, I again, I, I echo everything you just said. His inconsistent. If he was a little more consistent, he'd be way higher on my yes, list. Like, I absolutely. think eight. I think eight's a fair spot too. Certainly, mm-hmm. I've got him at number ten. There's not a ton of difference there. I mean, dude, like you said, it. He's just, he's got the stuff you can't coach. I mean, right? Like he, Ain't that the truth, man. He has he has the gift that can only come from genetics and the good Lord. Hey, six foot eight. Some people just got it. Some people don't. Almost four hundred bills, right? It's. I mean, you know, Arthur Motes. I can try as hard as I want. I'm never gonna be LeBron James. It's just not gonna happen. I can try as hard as I want. I'm just never gonna be David DeCastro. It's mm-hmm. just not going to happen. Uh, guys can try as hard as they want. They're just never going to be Trent Brown. He checks in at number 10 for me. Number 9, I have got Taylor Luan of the Tennessee Titans. Another, another guy who, again, for me, like, man, when he is on, he is he's top five. He's fantastic. I just, I would like to see a little more consistency, just a little more consistency wow, from right. Taylor Luan. I've got him number 9. And then number eight, I've got the guy that you had at number ten, Ryan Ramchek. Yeah, I. 
he's so good. For me, it's tough to judge, right? Like, who's more important? Is it him or is it Armstead? And you'll see where I have Armstead ranked mm-hmm. here as we go along. Uh, the Saints have two very talented bookends. No, without a I doubt. mean, two <laughs> two very talented bookends. Um, and sometimes, right? Again, I'm not a I'm not Tunch and Wolf. I, I don't sit there. I don't evaluate offensive line play. Um, but with, like what Moats said, I just I know the responsibilities of a right tackle compared to a left tackle. So because of that, I put Ramchek at eight. So again, number ten, Trent Brown. Uh, number nine, Taylor Luan. And number eight, I have got uh, Ryan Ramchek. See, this is even hard for me to like keep track of here because I got so many scribbles and so many arrows all over my paper. So we had two of the I guess we had two of the yeah. same three there, just kind of in swapped order. Let's uh, let's take a break here to pay the bills, Arthur Motes, and we will continue with our list on the other side. That fair? Does that work for Sounds you? Sounds good to me. I'm not complaining against. You're talking that. a little offensive lineman. I mean, yeah. I can I can almost hear Tunch and Wolf cheering in the background. Man, we we got to do this because not everybody respects the offensive lineman, and we do. That's why we played some Aretha coming in here. They I even played offensive line in high school some for a little R-E-S-P-E-C-T. while, man. Yeah. You Offense. played left and right side of the right. Uh, you're you absolutely were right. Wherever, where the, wherever the ball was going, that's where I was going. So I always got love for the old line, man. <laughs> we're going to continue that love on the other side. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, you are listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Now we're having some fun, Arthur Motes. Now we're mm-hmm. talking. For the love of money. Arthur Motes is DJing today, folks. I love my music, man. Give me some soul town, man. Need some of that, man. It's, you and me both. It's that type of music that when it just bumped the beat drop, you don't even need the lyrics. You're just like, oh, that's that one right there. And that's why I like, you know, I mean, think about it. You and I today on the show so far, we've played DMX and Outcast. Mm-hmm. We're going to play Rolling Sto- the Rolling Stones here in about 17 yeah. minutes when we come back in the third hour. Mm-hmm. We've hit Aretha Franklin. We've hit the OJs. Aretha! I, I mean... Naughty by nature. I mean, we, we go through a diverse list of music here, and that's the way to do it. I think that's got to be the way to do it. People who just listen to one type of music, I don't know how. You're missing out on life, man. You are. <laughs> you, you, you've, got to, you've got to have the diversity in the tunes. And Arthur Motes, I told you, right, I like to keep you on your toes. I don't like to ruin too much. So mm-hmm. this is the honest-to-God truth for our audience. Arthur Motes still does not know what the best of the West topic is today. And a lot of times I don't. No, I'd say 90% of the time <laughs> you say don't. I don't. The, only time, the only time I tell Arthur Motes what the best of the West topic is mm-hmm. or what a three-question Thursday question is, if I think, to be fair, he's going to need some time to do some yes. research. Because there are some of these, right? If I ask Arthur Motes, like, you know, just, I, I don't know. Of course, nothing's coming to me off the top of my head right well, now. No, I but think of the some... time when you were talking about... Uh... Different like bucket list like, items. That's or, a good one. Or, yes, if you're uh, thinking bucket list items, yeah. like you need ten minutes just to think about that, mm-hmm. or else you're gonna forget something. Right, you know absolutely. what I mean? Um, yeah, there's certain things like that that you you just need some time to kind of write your thoughts down. Oh wait, uh, am I forgetting about this? But I will give you this clue, Motsi. The best of the West discussion today involves music. 
All right. Well, I love it but all. You got to wait till the next hour of the show. I'm excited, man. To find out exactly what we will be power ranking today on the best of the West. A reminder that our Steelers coverage is brought to you by PNC Bank. PNC Bank is the official bank of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Arthur Motes, before we continue our top 10 offensive tackles mm-hmm. list, a uh, little broadcast malpractice from me in the last segment, and I'm surprised you didn't call me on it. Oh, man. What did I miss now? I didn't give the Jeremy Fowler list at the start like we always do. Well, see, I was kind of liking that. Oh. Because a lot of times when you say the list ahead of time. you set the expectation. Right. And now from there, hmm. you like some people will think like because this person is on this list, I have to have this person hmm. on the list. I kind of like being able to give our list without. We'll do that at the end. How about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Because then at the end you can say, oh, well, that's what they said. And now you can kind of compare and contrast after the fact. But when you first say a list from 1 to 10, I mean, it's human nature. You just kind of just lean to that. If I give you a list right now of 10 players and I say, hey, man, now tell me your now list of 10, 10. players. Like, you're going to be thinking like, you're oh, well, hold like, on. Like, like, well, one, two. Yeah. Yeah, okay, well, maybe I'd switch these guys. You're <laughs> right. right. It's, you're not really starting with a blank slate. Correct. And then depending on how much you value you. the people. So we know, we talked about with Jeremy Fowler's list. We know that the executives, excuse me, executives, coaches, and stuff like that vote on this. Mm-hmm. So it could be a situation where you might not agree with one of these people but because they're on this list at a higher level, you're like, well, dang, all right. They said it's so well, I they go said it, it, I must right. believe it. And I'm like, nah, man, let's not do that, man. Do it our way. I like that. I like that logic yeah, I mean, a lot. Hey, 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 we trendsetters, baby. We are trendsetters. We trendsetters. We ain't following your blueprint, man. We take it. We kick the door down. That's what we do. I dig it. So, so yeah, quick recap. Oh, man, look at that, man. I was look about to up. say the jinx? same thing. Jinx, double jinx, triple jinx. One, two, three. Uh, just quick recap, I had Trent Brown 10, Taylor Luan 9, and Ryan Ramchek 8. Yep, and for me, I had uh, Ryan Ramchek at 10, David Bakatari at 9, and then Trent Brown at 8. Now, as I proceed to give you what you need, <laughs> at number 7, I have Taylor Luan, and trust me, it hurts me having him this low. I love low. how you do this. Just real quick, when I said Taylor Luan at 9, you gave me that look like, Wow, you mess it up, and then you only got it. See, you, you're good. I mean, you're good. You have me questioning everything. Oh, you have me thinking, oh, he's going to say Taylor Lewan's number two or number three. This Motsi, his reverse <laughs> psychology, folks, is, I mean, it's outstanding. I mean, sometimes I think sometimes I think the movie Mean Girls was loosely based on, on, on Yo, Arthur Miller. I, mean, I mean, your reverse psychology is fantastic. I love it. I love That's it. a big two-spot difference, all right? Nine is kind of like you're barely on the list. Seven is like, oh, he's on the cusp of being a top five. So it's all about perspective here, all right? I'm thinking like, man, does he have Taylor on like third? Like, geez. No, but this is the thing, man. With Taylor, I would love to have him in my top five. But you hit on a couple of things, man. His inconsistency has, has shown up a lot. And I don't know if that's related to injury or what may be. But he has that a lot in his game, along with the fact that we know he's a hothead. It's been times where I wanted to get into it with him. I've been on the field with a guy like TJ White, Bo Dupree. Where, yeah, they were about to get into it with him, man. Like it, That's just his style of play. We know the iconic film of him and I think it was uh, Richard Sherman. No, no, no. Uh, uh, Josh Norman. Josh Norman. That's the yep. one. Yeah, Josh Norman. So we've seen scenarios where he's gotten into it with different individuals, man. That's just who he is. I, I always said he's the offensive line version of Richard Sherman in terms of always mouthing off, always in your face. You just get so tired of it, but yet he's really good. When Taylor, when Taylor's on, man, Taylor's a top five tackle in this league, and there's no debate about that. The problem is him being on consistently. That C when word. you have that lack of consistency, that's gonna hurt you when you're talking about ranking amongst the 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 best players in the league. 
if it was just, oh, Taylon at his best only, then he's a lot higher on this list. But when you're talking about full body of work, consistency, these other guys that I have listed ahead of him present a lot more of the um, the consistency element of it, along with the durability, and they don't have the self-inflicted wounds of the – I mean, you talk about how many personal fouls this guy had, how many just dumb penalties because he's, yeah. he, he's, he's antagonizing, yep. he's, he's pushing the button, pushing the button, pushing the button. I like, think, that's I him, think hothead was the u- the word that uh, my parents used to use when I was growing up. Yes, yes. Very a little bit much of a hothead. True. Very much, very much true, man. He's a guy that, yeah, there's plenty of people out here that, that, that want to fight him. And that's – I think he enjoys it, honestly. Hey, and you know what? Yeah. Some guys can thrive in that role, but like you've pointed out, you've got to know how to toe that line and not hurt your team in the process. And, Absolutely. And I man. think too often he's he's hurt his team. Absolutely. So that's why I have Taylor Lewan at seven. At six, man, I went with uh Taryn Armstead, man, the 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 other part of that duo with Ryan Ramchek. And it's dope to see two teammates on this list in the top ten, man. Like that's what they have though down there in New Orleans, and, and it makes sense when you're talking about who they're protecting in terms of Drew Brees. You want to invest in those positions, yes. But Terry, when your man, quarterback's throwing the ball 40 times a game, yes. you better be able to keep him upright. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, man. Now with Terry, man, the, the biggest thing with him is availability. He's missed a ton of games due to injury. When he's been healthy, he's in that same conversation with the Taylor Wan in terms of just being one of the best tackles in the game. Now, does he have some inconsistency in terms of his pass blocking? Yes, but a lot of times, even when he's getting beat, it doesn't result in a sack. It's weird. It's kind of like the, hey, man, you got lucky on this, man, but you get lucky a lot. Sometimes that happens with him. Hey, I, sometimes I don't, I it's can't better explain to it. be lucky than good. Yes, yeah, I can't I've explain that one it because I've seen him get beat plenty of times. But then, I mean, he absolutely dominates people as yeah. well. That's the inconsistency that we're talking about. It's like he's either elite level or he's just a good player. It, it's, it's weird how his game is in that regard, man, but – when he's healthy, when he's on, he can do he can do a lot. Very versatile in terms of his game, and that's why he's number six on this list, man. And then coming in at number five, now this guy, like a lot, I've been a personal fan and favorite of his. Uh, he's been a personal fan favorite of uh, yeah, I've been a fan of his for probably since I came to Pittsburgh. Honestly, man, Mitchell Schwartz here, man. Obviously, when he played in Cleveland, man, he, even though he cost me some money, it's all love. But man, this is a dude that can ball, man. He's not flashy at all. He doesn't get nowhere near the attention. We're talking about a guy who's been first team All Pro. I want to say two, almost three years now, and has not had a single Pro Bowl. This guy isn't flashy. He doesn't pass the eyeball test. He's not somebody that you're gonna look at and oh, it's like Tyron Smith. He's 300 pounds with abs. Nah, he's built like an old lineman, not not a glamorous <laughs> one, like an old school one. But his game is nice, man. It's very nice. And and, and literally, man, he he wins a lot. You talk about pass blocking, man, he wins a ton. The biggest knock on him is he's a right tackle. I think if he was a left tackle, he would get a lot more attention. People forget, when we talk about the Cleveland Browns, and the reason why I said starting from when I came to Pittsburgh is because I got a chance to see Cleveland twice a year. When I was playing in Buffalo versus Cleveland, number one, I was an inside linebacker. But number two, we only see them once a year, maybe once every two years. So it was a different perspective of them. Sure. Seeing them twice a year, man, you knew Joe Thomas was Joe Thomas. But along with Alex Mack and Mitchell Schwartz, we were debating which one of them are the number two guy between Alex Mack and Mitchell Schwartz. So we both know, uh, I mean, we know who Alex Mack is. Yeah. <laughs> but with Mitchell, man, he, he's he, very good. Mitchell, his footwork is phenomenal. His hand placement is great. He is never out of position. He is a technician. He looks as if he was a younger version of Joe Thomas. And it makes sense because when he came into the league, 
That's who he got to learn from. So you can just see in terms of his mannerism, in terms of how he gets off the ball from a snap count standpoint, Mitchell, Swar uh, Mitchell Schwartz does everything that you can see coming from a Joe Thomas-type lineage. And that's why he is where he is. Like I said, the biggest thing for him is his right tackle. If he played left tackle, game changer. Yeah. People will talk about him Top three. so much more, man. Yeah. But because he's a right tackle, it's not glamorous. He, he just doesn't get talked about, it, which is crazy to be underrated as an all-pro. Yeah. But he's he underrated. He is. He is very much underrated, man. Uh, 100% agree with you. Everything you echo there about, or everything I echo there that you just said about Mitchell Swartz, that's why Arthur Motes, he checks in at number seven on my mm. list. I swear it's weird. It's like we got the same guys. They're just, we separated them all by two positions yes. today, apparently. Which uh, I feel some type of way about sometimes, man. <laughs> Tail one and nine. What are you doing? I got him at seven. Mitchell Swartz at five. What are you doing? Come I on. got him at seven. <laughs> um, I'm with Motes. Incredibly underrated. I think he is He is probably the most underrated guy on this list. I think that is certainly fair to say. Um, and I would have him higher, and I think Motes would too, just the whole right tackle thing. Uh, but yes, I still I couldn't have him any lower than number seven. But the guy that I had at number six that Motes just talked about as well too, and the reason the only difference is this guy plays the left side, Mitchell plays the right side. I had Taron. Armstead here. I mean, dude. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> real deal. He, he. <laughs> certain ones, you just like, yo. It's funny, too. You he's know real, what? man. Because I just said, and I, I thought it was true 30 seconds ago, that Mitchell Schwartz is the most underrated tackle in football. Maybe it's Armstead. I mean, he's yeah, right no, there. He's, he's right there in that conversation, too. Um, you mentioned it. It's weird. Like, even when he doesn't win, he still doesn't lose. Right? So, like, it's very weird. Like, if you look at his pro football focus numbers, mm -hmm. his win rate isn't crazy high. It's like, not. it's in the low yeah, 80s. It's not. But it's, he's still effective. Like, his grades are still effective. It's bizarre, but it works. He checks in at number six for me. And then at number five. I mean, we missed him last year, Arthur Motes. You better not say that. But he's still really good. You better not have him at five. Trent Williams. Wow. From East Coast wow. to West Coast. Five? Trent Williams, number five. I know you got him in your top five. I can tell by your reaction. You probably got no, him no, number no. four. Seriously, seriously though, why, why do you have him at five, though, not higher? Because he didn't play last year. That, I mean, that's the only reason. Okay, where did you have Gronk at? We, oh, wait. You know I want to say it was like three, here. right? Wasn't Gronk at like three? No, I had Zach Ertz third. I think I might have had Gronk fourth. I think I got it right here. Give me a second. Looking through my old notes from our old shows. Is it in here? Crap, I don't think I have it in here. Because I, I know I just literally cleaned all mine out. But I had, I know for a fact that I had, um, I had San Francisco. What's his name? Uh, Kittle. I had yeah, Kittle, Kittle one, was one, Kelsey, Kelsey two, was two, Ertz yeah. three. Okay, so and I been think I had then. Gronk four. So yeah, in that logic, right, there's only one difference okay. there. Yeah, I, thought, I don't know why I thought you had him higher up. If, Motsi, if we did this list week two, week three, I bet you I'd have Trent Jake, Williams yeah. higher. Um, but just again, he, he didn't play last year. I really like these other four guys that I have too. They all played last year. Man, I should have asked you then, where would you have AB at if AB was signed right now? You knew he was going to play this oh, year. Oh, baby. Now you're getting into the type of conversations that I like to have. Because, because let's be real, when Trent was playing, Trent was at the top of the game, right? It, 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 Trent, for a long time, has been the, the, the gold standard for a left tackle in this league, man. Tyron Smith came in, and he was like the, the the more muscular version of that. But Trent, ever since Trent has come in, and you know what draft class is a part of, so I don't even need to mention that. Shout out to 2010. <laughs> but ever since he's come in the league, man, he's been a top two, top three tackle consistently. 
And that's with Joe Thomas. That's with young Jake Long before the injuries. All these guys can go down the list. Trent has always been in that conversation, man. Uh, the highest I would have a B. I would not have him ahead of Julio. I would not have him ahead of Michael Thomas. I would not have him ahead of DeAndre Hopkins. Mm. I would not have him ahead of Tyreek Hill. Oh, what? A, B today. You wouldn't have him ahead of those guys, man? Antonio Brown, Mr. Big Chess, Ronald, Timothy. Am I forgetting any other names? Would you take him over Mike Evans right now? Absolutely. Take him over OBJ right now. Absolutely. See, I think I would. I don't know if I'm just as confident as you. Like, I would have to think about it, but I think I would. Like, I think I'm I would. Have, I think I would have maybe fourth or fifth. I have. Him would you have him over Hopkins? I have him fourth at worst right now. Would you take him over Hopkins? That's why I was. That's why Hopkins said, third for you. So right? that's why I said fourth at worst because it would be debatable between him and Hopkins. It would really come. So down you would to, not take him over Michael Thomas or Julio right now. Not after a year off, no. Okay. Because those dudes. I mean, because we talked about agree, this. I agree. With we you. said Julio and Michael Thomas since AB. Like when AB was going on his run. Now, Michael Thomas obviously is a lot shorter because he came in, uh, I think, four, two years after A.B. started going on that crazy spin. But with Julio, it was always, which one do you want? It was personal preference. It was, man, these guys' numbers are, are, are right there. The difference is one has Ben Roethlisberger, one has Matt Ryan. So I would need to see, okay, what's the scenario that he's going into? That's the only reason why I would debate about him and uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Because we know, okay, with DeAndre going to Kyler Murray with the Cardinals, he could still be successful in that. If A.B. were to end up in Jacksonville, like that ain't gonna work for him. That ain't gonna look too good. It's a good call by you, Arthur Motes. He'll be a top. He'll be top four at worst. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just, I just want to know. Okay, okay, okay. See, I seen the little logic. You, giving, uh, you got me chasing these shiny silver objects. Now I'm wishing I still had my notes so I could have seen where I had Gronk. But I know it would have been at fourth. He, had, he, he was definitely top five on at both four, our lists. Yeah. No. Definitely. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Because I want to say I, I had him at four. I had him right behind Ertz. I think we both did. Because I, I, I don't, I don't know who else. Like yeah, because we I, said I didn't those, have Mark. I didn't have Mark Andrews ahead of nah. him. I didn't have because we said those three in terms of Ertz, Kettle, and uh, Kelsey were by themselves in a the category. Gronk was the head of that, but when Gronk retired. We said we couldn't put him above those three guys. You're right. The I'm remembering had. it now. I had Gronk four, and then yeah. remember I had Evan Ingram five, and you were yeah. like, and you were surprised by the Evan Ingram rating. So yes. that's yeah, it's all coming back to me now. Because see, I have Mark Andrews at five. I want to say for mine. Yes, mm-hmm. that sounds right. I like it. Arthur Motes, let's pay the bills, and let's come back, and we will finish our lists here. It's exciting. Ooh, baby! Final hour of the show. So you know what that means. We will answer your tweets in this hour. Speak now, or and we're, we're going to do a piece. better job of it today too. Yesterday, you know, since since my colleague in here wanted to get us all aggressive with each other, we didn't get a chance to really do your tweets due diligence. So uh, <laughs> we we vow to do better today. You know what? The people the people were all right with it because if there's one thing that I know Steelers Nation tolerates, it's Tom Brady slander, baby. This is true. This is very true. Final hour of the show on the way for you. Don't go anywhere. It's Euler Remote. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio.
the Electric Factory, hour number three. It's Euler Emotes on SNR. Emotsy is vibing over there today. We're having some fun. Hopefully, you've been enjoying listening. We have uh, to wrap up our top 10 offensive tackle conversation here. Arthur Motes, real quick. Whoa, children! It's just a China. It's just a China way. Oh! My bad. It's your fault, man. You put the music on. You're talking. It's playing in the background. I'm over here humming, trying to act like I'm paying attention. Whole time I'm over here singing the lyrics in my head, man. You know, you might be onto this something just randomly blurting out Rolling Stones lyrics while I'm trying to, like, you know, do the the whole, like, to check the boxes and get us into segments there. It's, not, it's, you see, you, you, it's a good bit. It's the yin and the yang. One of us, and and we both alternate. Sometimes I'm the one that's more like, all right, let's make sure we're doing this the right way by the book. We're locked in. You're over here. I'm over here like the five-year-old just waving my arms around. (laughs) You're you're, you're singing uh, uh, hooligan fight songs and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) We just alternate. We take turns. It's all good. It's funny you say that, right? Because you know what I discovered? I discovered a new hooligan song. Okay? Oh, man. Here we go. One of the things that I love is when I find out that, like, hooligans in England, that they want to, like they like to sing American songs. Yes. Right? I found out, Arthur Motes, that one of the songs that's, like, to be, that's sung by soccer hooligans in pubs in England is uh, I Can't Help Falling in Love With You by Ooh. Elvis. Oh, that is awesome. So, you know the show on Netflix, Sunderland Till I Die? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I was watching that, and Sunderland fans sit, you know, like, there's like, you know, like 50 yeah. of them drunk in a bar, and they're but like, wise men sing, only fools rush in, but I can't. And I'm like, babe, 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 check this out. This is awesome. So all, all this morning, I was respect, walking around my respect. house, but I can't help. Hey, man, I, I told you before, man, when me and my wife, because we, we got this running joke, we've been married or we've gotten married multiple times. Like, we did a Just a Peace wedding. We did an actual, like, big ceremony. Mm-hmm. Then we actually did it in Vegas, and we had Elvis Murray as one of our <laughs> I times. Know, I love this story. And that was a song he sung for us, and we literally, we heard the song watching The Conjuring <laughs> out of all movies. It was like, oh, man, where's this song? And then it was like, oh, it's Elvis? And we're in Vegas like, Elvis, sing that song for us, man. <laughs> Dude, there's just there's something about people with British accents. It's crazy. Who who like to drink thirty seven pints and punch each other in the face, singing American love songs. Like, dude, they sing like Savage Garden. It's hilarious. <laughs> All of you more with every breath, truly, madly, deeply, deep. Like, what? it just cracks me up. You gotta love it, it, man. It you gotta love it. Oh, Arthur Boats, West Sealer, having some fun here on a Wednesday, wrapping up our top 10 offensive tackles list. Uh, I had, starting from the back, number 10, Trent Brown, Taylor Luan, Ryan Ramchek, Mitchell Swartz, uh, Taryn Armstead. That is number six. At number five, I had Trent Williams. Yeah, and for me, man, at number 10, I had Ryan Ramchek. At nine, I had David Bakatari. At number eight, Trent Brown. Seven, Taylor Lewan. At six, Taryn Armstead. I was about to say Armstrong. Taryn Armstead. And then at number five, I, I had Mitchell did that Schwartz. In the last yeah, it was weird. I don't know what it was. Just looking at like arm. Oh. Well, if there's one thing we never do, Arthur Motes, on this show, it's man. butcher people's names. No, man. We we absolutely are consummate professionals. Never. We know the route, the, the right pronunciation of everyone's name. We don't mess up. 
That's what we do not do. Amen. So with that being said, I will continue to give you the names that are on my top ten list, baby. Number four. Coming in at number four, we got that bad man. The guy who, when he came in the league, he took over the league as a left tackle, playing for the Washington football team now. But now he's been traded to the San Francisco 49ers. He goes by the name of Trent Williams. So, yes, I have Trent Williams at number four on my list. At number three. Ronnie Stanley, Baltimore Rat Birds. Yep. The biggest thing we're like I, I said, don't I, like to admit it, but he's yeah, good. He's good. He's good. He can <laughs> dance with the best of them. People say, well, hey man, it's because of their offense that benefits him a lot. I think they're just hating. Let's be real about it. And, and the thing is where he's kind of a lightning rod type of player, too, man. People either really love his game and they think that he's an elite tackle. Or people think he's a product of that system. They're a product of what they're doing with Lamar Jackson. Either way, man, when I think of Ronnie. He's 26 years old. He's young. He's young, man. He's going to be out there with Lamar for years to come. Yep. That 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 offense fits him perfect. Like I said, man, he could dance with you. He, he can get the nastiness if you need him to be nasty, man. But ultimately, everything is set up for him. And he kind of has the ace in the hole, too, out of all these other tackles. Because if he gets beat, he has a quarterback that is elitely elusive. Yep. And that's why that's the only reason why I don't have him higher. Is because of that element of it, knowing yeah. that. And I want to see how he. I want to see how man. he plays now that Yond is gone too. Very true. That's gonna that that can definitely affect yeah. him in a major but way. Can't have him any lower than number three. Yeah, yeah, man. He, 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 track record speaks for itself, man. He's been, you know, one of the top tier tackles over the past couple of years, man. So definitely got to have him there. Then coming in at number two. You hinted to this earlier today, man, with a certain individual that was traded from Miami to Houston. Now he's in Houston. Goes by the name of Laramie Tunsil. I mean, let's be real about it, dude. Laramie is a beast. And he's going to get paid. Well, he no, excuse me. He already got paid like a beast, if I if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. To the tune of, it was 21, 20, it was something. Yeah, it was 21, 22? 22, something like that, man. Yeah. So, yeah, man. With, with Laramie, he's super young, 25 years old. Ooh. A beast, though. Can Ar- play, man. You know Arthur Motes. And, and he changed that outlook. I mean, we talked about Deshaun Watson for a while with the Texans of, man, you got him, DeAndre Hopkins, but nobody to protect him. Mm-hmm. Laramie changed all of that, though. Yes, he did. In a big way. Those left tackle uh, question marks in Houston disappeared pretty quick. All from a gas, man. So would have yep. thought. And remember, he was he was traded right before the season started, too, right? Yeah. So no training camp. No, like, he should mm-hmm. be even more comfortable this go-around. I just keep thinking about how, man— <laughs> when he first came out and the gas mask video dropped prior to the draft and like everything that transpired from him from there and how he ultimately ended up in Miami due to that. Because yeah. he was supposed to be a top 10, top, top five, five top player. 10, yeah. yeah, Ended and up that, going what, like in the teens? Uh, I think, yeah, 16, 17. Yeah. Like that changed everything for him, man. Lost out on a ton of money too. But now it's good to see him. But he's finally, making up for oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Without a doubt, he's a made up for it. Yeah, he actually went 13. Yeah. So he okay. should have been a top five pick, went 13, man. But yeah, it's definitely good to see he finally didn't got the check that he deserves. But yeah, man, he could flat out ball, bro. It's no debating that. Plays the left tackle, plays the money position. And yeah, he, he went from no serious games being in Miami to playing in premier primetime games, playoff games, and Houston and holding his own, man, doing his thing. So yeah, I have him at number two. Arthur Motes, I think we might have the same top three. Uh-oh. But before we get there, Uh-oh. number four is where David Bakatari checks in for me. I think that's our biggest This is our biggest yeah. di- Other than that, I think everybody we have is within at, at most two spots of each other. Yeah. This is our biggest difference. And it's funny because this is the guy that, like, go on Google right now. Oh, and yeah. Google top ten tackles in the NFL. Yes. You'll see him one on some people's lists. Yes. You'll see him 10, 11, 12 on some Absolutely. people's lists. I don't know what it is about him, yeah. bro. It's 
he to a lighter extent how Ronnie Stanley like how people view him as either the best tackle or they say well man he has this 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 it was going Yonda. On it was Yonda. right like he's in that same category but I feel like it's a lot worse with him because like you said some people have him as the number one guy some people don't even have him rated in the top 10 like right. it's weird right and I think part of that was his 2018 season was phenomenal mm-hmm. last year not quite as good still only 28 years old I think kind of water will find its level in that regard uh, he checks in at number four for me. Number three, Ronnie Stanley. Um, I thought about putting him number two. But the the consideration that I had there is like we just touched on. Uh, how's it going to look without Yonda? And how much of his, his numbers looking great are mm-hmm. helped, not all because of, obviously, but are certainly helped it doesn't hurt. By, Lamar, like by Lamar Jackson. If Stanley goes out there and crushes it and has another all-pro type season this year, then, then yeah, I, I mean, I think you can certainly say he, he's top two. You could probably even start arguing him for number one. But currently, I've got him sitting at three, but still very young. I imagine at some point in his career, he will be in the top two, certainly. And at number two, same as Arthur Motes, Laramie Tunsil. It's easy to forget about this guy because he played for the Miami Dolphins and the Houston Texans. And I mean, no disrespect for those franchises, right? But he hasn't played for the Steelers or the Cowboys or the Giants, right? Or, you know, even like a a Niners or a Chicago Bears. He's played for two of the, I mean, let's be honest. Everybody rips on Miami sports fans, right? Because they don't really care. It's just not a sports town. And then he goes to Houston. There's too much going on in Miami for them to be worried about the game, man. He goes to Houston where, again, not to knock on that franchise and that fan base, but let's be honest too, there's probably still more Cowboys fans and Texas Longhorns. Not, not, not probably. Yeah. There is. People care more about the Cowboys <laughs> and the Texas Longhorns yes. than they do the Texans. Uh, but he's number two. He's maybe the least talked about guy on this list, honestly. Like, Put it in like a this, weird way. It's weird with Laramie. He's the least talked about, but he's the least debated also. Yes. They're, like when, when people talk about Laramie Tunsil, no one really debates how good he is. It's just he doesn't get the same level of like fanfare as some of these other guys get from playing either bigger market teams or playing on teams that have just received a lot more attention. I think that's the biggest thing with it. But nobody I've ever come across debate, especially in in of the recency time, have really debated yeah him because I mean he could just he, he's nice. <laughs> it, it is yes I agree with you on that, and I think too it says a lot that right like. He, I mean, he was a big haul. I mean, the Texans gave up a lot to get oh, him. They did, man. And you don't see that very often in the NFL in general. Certainly not for an offensive lineman. Right. And no one, uh, now a year later, like, no one even brings that up anymore, how much they had to give up to mm. get him. It's not even a, like, oh, was it worth it? Nobody's asking yeah. that. Uh, of course. Yeah, right. Should have done it sooner. <laughs> so, Arthur Motes, I think we have the same number one. But before we get there, how about some honorable menchies? How about some others receiving votes? All right, I guess I got to go ahead and put the oh, guy no. out there to give oh, him a no. vote. Oh, no. Is he going to do it? All right. Oh, no. All right. He didn't make my list. I understand that, yes, he is a very good player, but he has an asterisk next to him, okay? The same way people talk about Tom Brady deflated footballs, the same way they talk about Spygate, the same way they talk about Radiogate. Lane Johnson has a lot of asterisks next to his name. Just overall, all right? And then because of my personal experiences, why he was playing under a t- under a, a, a pending 10-game suspension that he ended up having anyways. He did. I, not, can, I can confirm. I was there working yeah, for the Eagles Radio it's, Network. It's, it time. wasn't like, oh, he's going to play 
And oh, he he had, he was clean. He passed. He's good. No, 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 no. He played and failed and had a ten gamer. So for me, yeah, my respect level for Lane is always gonna be low. That'd be um, like if we were taking the same test, Arthur yeah, Mose, but man. you got the answer key. I exactly. mean, exactly. And, and then the whole time it's like, well, he might not have had the answer key. And it's like, oh no, he had the answer key. He had key. the answer key. It's like, come on, bro. I, I don't want to hear that. In man. fact, he had the answer key so much that the dean kicked him off campus for ten right, weeks. Right, right. They, they said, they said, hey, we gave you a four week suspension. Now you're gonna get a ten week because you're, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a repeat pre- offender. He, he got cut stealing exactly. answers to the test <laughs> the semester prior. He's a repeat offender. <laughs> Okay, so people could call me a Lane Johnson hater, and that's fine. But you are a repeat offender when it comes to cheating. <laughs> Steroids, <laughs> performance enhancements—they enhanced your performance. Is that the point of those things? What are we? You know what I mean? I should have—I should have took me some juice then. Well, I thought Lance Armstrong was just taking that because you know it made him feel good. Oh yeah, all right. I thought—I thought it helped with. Never mind. I ain't about to go. <laughs> Anywho, Ooh, I almost set you up on that one. Anywho, reel it back in. Reel it back in. <laughs> Anywho, Lane Johnson is a part of my next getting votes. Okay, I'm not putting him in any order, but he does get votes along with Lyle Collins and Dwayne Dawkins, baby. Buffalo Bills just signed that big time deal. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, man. The biggest thing with him is consistency. If he can get that consistency down. We talked about this a little bit when we said with uh, with Tredavious White, with Tremaine Edmonds and all those guys, right, how they're a year away from getting that attention. He got the contract up front. He's a season away, though, from protecting Josh Allen. Josh Allen having one of those. If And, and a lot of him is going to be based on Josh Allen, too. Josh Allen goes out there and throws for 4,000 yards. He's going to get talked about a ton because of that. So that's another guy that I got on my radar, man, receiving votes and stuff like that. I and like he's it. super young, too, man. I like it. Um, you want me to get my honorable mentions before we talk about the guy that we both have at number one? Absolutely. I feel like I need to wash my mouth out anyway since I was over here talking about some Lane Johnson. You know what's funny is I, I was going to put him at number 11 as my first honorable mention, but I thought you might get mad at me. There's a strong possibility I was going to get mad with you. I don't know, man. It's something I just don't – like I said, if I would have never played against him, it, oh. does, it, it doesn't bother me. But those, I mean, but I played against you while you was on that on the uptime. While you was on that on that yak sauce. Let's let's not act. I think it's part of the reason why people enjoy our show, right? I think it's part of what makes you and I different. Yeah. Like like one of the things that I love about Matt and Dale, right? You know that I produce Matt and Dale the drive. Correct. They are unapologetically not Homer. Mm. Right. Like they 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 don't give the Steelers any more benefit of the doubt than they do anybody else. You and I are a little different in that regard. Right? Like, you and I are emotional. You know what I mean? Like, our own personal experiences come into the show. So, and yes. again, it's it's funny because you and I talk, like, right? It's, it's why I love SNR and why I think we do such a good job here, if I can toot our own horns for a second. Because we have a little bit of everything for whatever you want. Yes. There's Tunch and Wolf. There's the two older guys who played in the you know the days of yesteryear who mm-hmm. who tell their stories about Chuck Knoll and Mean Joe Green. Stories. It, right. All the war stories. And then you get Matt and Dale, who they like. They are very national perspective, and they talk a lot of fantasy football. And they're like I said, they don't give the same a lot of times benefit of the doubt to some Steelers things like Moats and I do. And then you get Moats and I who are just the goofballs. We incorporate a lot of pop culture into our show. Got to, man. Um, we talk, we, we do a lot of like debating certain topics here on our show. And we are like, we admit it. We wear black and gold glasses. We're emotional about this. And not to knock how the other guys do it, right? Because everybody has their own thing. Like, there's a reason why there was why there was you know Mike and Mike, right? And why there's uh, Stephen A. Smith and, and Skip Bayless. Yes. It's it's two different cup. It's 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 two different you have cups to of have tea. That, yes, you have Diversity, to have that variety. Yeah, yes, you need all that. And, and I I think that that's one of the things that you know that that is the 
the voice, the tone of our show. Yes. Is is that we it, we our own personal experiences play into this. And so Lane Johnson plays into yours. It's the same reason why, why I hate LaShawn McCoy. Forever. <laughs> and it has nothing Forever. to do it has nothing to do with him playing in the National Football League. Forever. But LaShawn McCoy could sign with the Steelers tomorrow and I'd hope he wouldn't make the make the roster. Jeez. And it's because he engineered the worst day of my life, December first, two thousand and seven, and he made sixteen year old Wesley Euler cry, and I'll never forgive him for it. I would have wiped your eyes, man, if I'd have known he was crying, bro. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> I just dabbed his bop, bop. So that's, that's you know, I like how Lane Johnson plays, how your personal experience with Lane Johnson plays into it because that's what makes, that's what Steelers Blitz is all about, baby. That's how Euler and Motes get down. Number 11 on my list, honorable mentions, I went with Lyle Collins. Mm-hmm. Can't go wrong with him, bro. I really like this guy, and maybe it's some of the uh, the Ram check conversation here, too. I just don't know how much of it is. He plays the right side, and he's got a fantastic running mate on the left side. Bro, on, on, think about just that offensive line in general, who his guard has been, who his center has been like. Yeah. Dude, when when he came in there, man, he had it set up perfect for him. Yes, and that's that's why yeah. I just I, I I can't knock him for that. Like Correct. that's not his fault that he ended up in a good situation. Yeah. No, a great situation. Um, but that but now remi- maybe gives me some. Uh, pause. I was about to say why had it happened, but never mind. We ain't got to go there. But yeah, it worked out for him great. We'll just leave it at that. Yes, it did. And then at number twelve, I I listed two honorable mentions. I put Lane Johnson there. As much as we like to rip on him, when he's out there, he's very it, good. He's really good. It, and. That's the thing that performance makes me mad. enhanced or not. It's it's like I, he's so good. He doesn't even need that. Right. But the fact that he had and then okay, you got popped the first time. Cool. Leave it alone. Then you get it again. It's like, bro, that's that's my issue. And then don't appeal it. Like, I think of a guy like Brian Cushion, right? Brian Cushion had failed before. And then it got to the point when Brian Cushion popped again, he didn't even appeal it. He said, Look, I'm gonna take the suspension. Don't even trip. Don't even worry about it. Lane was the opposite. Lane was like, no, nah, I want to play. Let me appeal this thing. No one already did it. No one I'm going to fail. No one I'm going to get the suspension anyways. That's my biggest issue, man. It's like the Lance Armstrong thing. Yeah. Counter-suing when you know you're guilty. All right. Mm. Mm. Arthur Motes. Shout out to his 30 for 30, though. It was dope. Number one on both of our lists. Tyron Smith. Alejandro Villan. Oh. <laughs> my bad. I, yes. I had Derwin Gray, actually. Interesting. Zach Banner. He's right tackle. If you play left, I'd have him. Right <laughs> I'm biased. No, it's Tyron Smith, right? I'm biased. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I man. mean, even him taking a step back, he still is head and shoulders above everyone else. The, way, the way that Jeremy Fowler put this in his article is perfect. All right, what do you, what he said say? maybe he's dropped from a 100 overall to a 94, but his 94 <laughs> overall is still better than everyone else. No question. No question. Like seriously, Fowler nailed it with that description. <laughs> seriously, man. Like Tyron Matthew for for it was a five six year span. Where he was just on, like, everybody else is on Earth, he's on Pluto somewhere. And it's not even close. It was like almost like Joe Thomas level, like, but, but the thing not was, quite to that point. But, but this was the thing with Joe, the, and the difference between the two was this, right? Both of them, fight, like, from a technician standpoint, the best technique you ever see, right? With Joe, though, you knew Joe, especially when he got older, he wasn't the most athletic, but his smarts, how he would anticipate the snap count, how he would bait you to do a certain move because he knows, okay, I'm susceptible to the speed rush, but if I give you my chest and you try to bull me, well, now I know how to counter it with my hands, stuff like hmm. that to get away with it. Hmm. With Tyron, though, Tyron would line up. He looked like just a Martian. Like, <laughs> you see this dude, how big he is, his arms, like he scratch his ankle standing straight up. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, yo, you're a 300-pounder, but you got abs bursting out. Like, bro, this is nuts. I've never seen – and he plays nasty. I will never forget, man, that Cowboys game we had here. 
Yeah, it's, uh, was it the 2015 season? I want to say it was. And, and literally, man, I, I saw him. And, and when I saw Debo against him, I was like, all right, Debo had a little success. But I noticed, I was like, Debo, you don't, you're not doing nothing physical with him. You're just doing your little rip move. He's like, yeah, yeah, he ain't the way you want to really get your, you don't want to let him get his hands on you whatever, right? And I remember seeing Jarvis. And Jarvis, my brother, love Jarvis. That's my dog. Man, he grabbed Jarvis one time. I was like, oh, my God. I was ready to fight him. I was like, Jarvis, we could jump him right now, bro. Ain't no way a grown man grabbing us like that ever again, man. But that's that's it. It's on the tape constantly, man. You see him just ragdolling grown men. And you're like, bro, no, that's not normal. And then he's so big, it's like you're not running up on that to beat him up afterwards. Like he beat you up in that too. Yeah. Yeah, he 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 does not belong on this planet, but it is great that he is here for football. And perfect storm. He's playing in Dallas, so it made it even better. It really made him into that mega star. Offensive yeah. lineman, because if he's playing, that can only happen in a few places. Correct, correct. It, it, think about how hard it was for Joe Thomas to be talked about like that. I mean, it was like he was almost ten years in the league before by that they point. talked about him like that. Like, and he had been the best offensive lineman in the league for like seven or eight yes. years at that point. Absolutely. Whereas <laughs> with Tyron, man, Tyron, it took him three games. Yeah, and they was like, oh yeah, he's the guy. Yep, he's the one. <laughs> Don't worry about it. He's the guy. Tyron Smith checks in like at number said, one on Jeremy Fowler's Even him taking a step back. He's yeah. still uh, that's why I, maybe shoulders. he's dropped from 100 overall to 94 yeah. overall, but at 94 overall, he's still better than everyone else. Absolutely. I head love, head I and love shoulders, that. no debate, bro. I love that description. Uh, here is the list, right? And remember, Jeremy Fowler polling 50 league executives, coaches, scouts, and players for these lists. Tyron Smith checks in at number one. Laramie Tunsil checks in at number two. Trent Williams, number three. Ronnie Stanley, number four. Uh, Teron Armstead. Number five, Lane Johnson. Number six. Number seven, David Bakatari. Number eight, Ryan Ramchek. Number nine, Trent Brown. And number 10, Taylor Luan. So why do they have Lane at five? Uh, six. Six? Wait. Yeah, six. At six. Why do they have him at six with the sauce, man? They, did they bring up the sauce? They did not. Here's, uh, here's the quote from a longtime NFC defensive assistant. Um... Wait, this is a quote about Laramie Tunsil. <laughs> I think Jeremy put the wrong the wrong quote in the wrong oh, paragraph. No. Oh no! Here we go. Here's a Lane Johnson quote. Uh, did he did he mix it up for real? Yeah, he did. Oh, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to text him and I'm gonna, have to pr- I'm gonna be a proofreader for him. Uh, nowadays, there aren't any power type guys where you say, "Oh man, he's so powerful." There aren't a lot of guys who create movement. It's about matching up athletically and giving your offense time. Lane Johnson does that better than anyone else. Anonymous. NFC executive. He must be a Giants executive. (laughs) (laughs) Or the Washington football team. Yeah. Uh, According to these 50 uh, executives, coaches, scouts, players, uh, Lyle Collins would have checked in at number 11. Dwayne Brown, number 12. Mitchell Schwartz, all the way back at 13. Told you. How is a a first-team (laughs) All-Pro? At 15 on the list. Just think about that. You know what when, they're doing to him? No, no, no. When you're first team all pro, what does that say? When you are a all pro, that means you are top one or two at your position for that season. Yeah. He was just that last season. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it's nonsense. I don't get it. And then Deion Dawkins, your Buffalo bro. Bills brother in number 14. I, 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 it's I, nonsense, man. I don't get it. I do not get it. But you know what, Arthur Motes? Not my list because we had him on our list. We yeah. gave him due diligence. <laughs> Even that'll, though he cost me money. That'll do it for our offensive tackle conversation. Tomorrow, 
Ooh, interior offensive lineman. Will I feel be, like I should take him off my list since he owe me. Will be the t- will be the topic <laughs> du jour tomorrow on the program. Going to take another break here on the other side. Best of the West Wednesday. What could it be? It involves music. Sports-related music. Ooh, okay. Find out on the other side. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, you are listening to the Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. It is time for Best of the West Wednesday. Simple concept, we power rank things. I mean, it's real easy. Uh, During the season, it's always our top 10 teams in the National Football League on a week-to-week basis. But during the offseason, we get a little quirky with it. We chop it down to five, usually. It's a top five list, the best of the West. And Arthur Mutz, it kind of fits with uh, some of the conversation we've had today. And it's because, you know what made me think of this, was I was listening last night, right? Joe Hayden did one of those Steelers Nation Unite mm-hmm. huddles where he takes questions from fans. Right. And one fan asked Joe Hayden for his top three hype songs. Ooh. And I thought, you know me. Because right, Arthur Motes, I'm always thinking about the show, baby. Very true. My ears perked up right away, and I said, yep, that's the best of the West for uh-huh. tomorrow. But you know what? Instead of top three, top five. Because we don't need to pigeonhole ourselves, right? We no do, question. We do five here on the best yeah. of the West. So, Arthur Motes, this is going to be some fun discussion, I think. Let's get right into it. My top five pregame hype songs. Mm-hmm. Number five, I'll Whip Your Head Boy by Woo! 50 Cent. Now, Tumble, tumble, tumble. You know that my senior year of high school, I played that song every. Wait, I thought it was many. I thought many men was your. No, 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 both. no. For basketball season, that was my song. Okay. For basketball, oh, I love that song, bro. So see, Fifty Cent was my man, bro. Me, like I've told mm-hmm. you this before, and you'll see. For me, growing up, it was Rage Against the Machine. It was yeah. Eminem, and it was Fifty Cent. When it was, you know, when it was time to play some hockey or some football and hit somebody. Oh yeah. That, that was it, and it, it, Many Men was the song that was often played in locker rooms, but mm-hmm. for me, it was always, I'll whip, I'll whip your, your head, head, boy. You know yeah. I will. Two uh, in just, the front, two in the back, <laughs> full rash strap, grandpa Cadillac. Let's go. 50 checking in at number five yeah. with I'll Whip Your Head, boy. Number four, this song came out my senior year. It was the Friday night, Friday afternoon before football games. It was the locker room mm-hmm. before every hockey game. It was the... Friday night after victory in the field party while we're chugging beers song put on by mm-hmm. Young Jeezy and mm-hmm. Kanye West. Like I said, mm-hmm. sometimes songs just drop at that perfect spot in your life. Very true. When you're a senior in high school, right? Like you think it's your responsibility. Your team has to have a good year. You can't let the town down. Mm-hmm. You got to put on for your school. You mm-hmm. got to put on for your city. That's number four for me. Number three, Arthur Motes. Killing in the Name by Rage Against the Machine. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, I don't need to repeat the words at the end of the song because there's some four-letter <laughs> words in there. But everybody who's ever heard the song, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Bleep something. I won't do what you tell me. Oh, yeah. And I tell you what, when you're in a locker room and you're about to go out there and, you know, someone's saying, I won't do what you scream and I won't do what you tell me, <sighs> and get you feeling some type of way. Killing in the Name of Rage Against the Machine, number three. Number mm-hmm. two. 
I think it's like the ultimate like um like video game montage song. Till I collapse oh, by Eminem. Now this one came out when I was in like fifth grade. I was like twelve, and this was the album, the Eminem show. Yeah, that was tough. That we all yes. played in the locker room that our parents didn't want us to have. I've said this to Arthur Motes before. When I was growing mm-hmm. up in the locker room, the two artists that we always wanted to listen to that our parents never wanted us to listen to were Eminem and DMX. Till I Collapse by Eminem is one of those songs, Arthur Motes. I don't know how if you hear it, you don't want to run through a wall. Mm-hmm. That's number two for me. Before I get to my number one, right, because i got to do this Arthur Motes style, some honorable mentions yeah. quickly. Uh, Moment of Clarity by Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. That was always my cardio song, mm-hmm. all right? So, like, when I was about to go on a, a three- or four-mile run and I knew I was going to hate my life, Moment of Clarity to start the run to get me in the, uh, in the right headspace by Jay-Z for those about to rock by ACDC. Oh. oh. Now, you know, Motsi and I, we appreciate, we appreciate yeah. songs with a good build. Absolutely. That, that song's hits. got the beep, 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 beep. And it all explodes and Mm -hmm. stand up and be counted Mm -hmm. for what you are about to receive. For those about to rock by ACDC, when the levee breaks by Led Zeppelin. Mm. Oh, just Jimmy Page comes in screaming with that Mm -hmm. slide guitar, Arthur Motes. If I was a baseball player, when the levee breaks by Led Zeppelin would be my walk-up song. And We Ready by Archie Eversole. I mean, come on. We ready. We ready. We ready for y'all. That's tough to beat. And that's another one that came out when I was like 16, 17 years old in the prime of my yeah. high school sports playing days. Those are my honorable mentions. Number one, Arthur Mutz. I mean, come on. I mean, come on. I mean, what are we talking about here? It's in the air tonight by Phil Collins. <gasps> duh. I mean, duh. That are you kidding me? And then everybody just wants to murder yes. everybody. Yes. In the air tonight by Phil Collins. So real quick, number five, uh, I'll Whip Your Head Boy by 50 Cent. Put On by Young Jeezy and Kanye West. Killing in the Name of by Reg Against the Machine. Till I Collapse by Eminem. And number one, I can feel it calling in the end of night. By Phil Collins. Arthur Motes, mm-hmm. what say you? I'm just going to let you know right now, I'm very upset with you for making me only list five. You know how <laughs> difficult this was for me growing up? Well, as you see, I had four honorable mentions. L- listen, man, if we really, if I really had to rank my pregame music, man, I would probably have a hundred songs here. Because you got to think, this dates back to high school for me. Yeah. And each sport had a different theme for me, man. I was in a different mood for each thing, my mindset, how I needed to be. Sure. And then even in the NFL, each year I had a different thing going into each season. So it was some years where it's heavy rock. It's some years where it's heavy rap. It's some years where it's gospel. It's all over the place. Depends on what your mood was. Absolutely, man. So I'm making you split hairs. So here. so I'm really upset <laughs> because I don't I, I and I still the five that I give you that I'm gonna give you with my honorable mentions, it's still not to like if I really sat down and wrote them and ranked them all how I want to rank them. Just giving you context, all right? Sure, sure. So you said you started out at four, right? Five. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, I meant. Started yeah, at five. Yeah. I'm tripping. All right, so yeah, at five, did. man. So for me, man, this is uh this is actually going back to my most recent time when I was playing uh that 2018 season. This is why I was in my gospel vibe, man. It's a song called Life by William McDowell, right? Big heavy hype song, man, Christian music. For me, it was like, you know. I always said to myself, look, man, when it's time to play, man, I got to get all my books in order because, hey, I can die out here today when I'm willing to die for it because I love it that much. So I would always say, let me listen to some gospel music at the end of this thing, right? So I can feel a little good that if this were to be the day that I go out in glorious fashion and all my splendor like Gladiator on his shield, that I'll at least be going to the upper room and not the downstairs. So that was that one right there, man. So that's Life by William McDowell, I'm McDown, adding man. that to my playlist yeah, to dope, listen to on the way song, home man, right you now. You will definitely enjoy it, man. I'm going to listen to it at 8 o'clock today. Coming at number four. Highway to hell. 
Because I told you, man, when, when, I, when I'm getting in my zone, man, I don't. <laughs> it's hard for me to have that, like, that middle ground of it's just a sport. For me, I looked at it as always like I'm going to war. Somebody's not walking out of here, but I guarantee you, I'm going to make it back home to my kids. So if you come, come over here to see me, on it, right? yeah, you coming to see me, man? Just know this is what you're in for. So you see the certain songs of how drastic they spin because in my mind, hey, one, we we both coming in this room, only one of us walking out, and it's going to be me. All right, so it don't matter if I got blood on me, whatever. Like this, how it is. So that's why how you better wash that blood off your uniform. You don't nah, get blood uh, on my uh, uniform. Uh, I keep the blood on mine because I want you to see this is from that victim. That's this victim. That's that victim. I wear it like it's a badge of honor, like it's patches. You know what I mean? So Highway to Hell by ACDC, man, coming in at number four. At number three, you hit on it already, man. Fifty Cent, you had the two songs for me since you went with uh, I Whip Your Head. I want my other one, Mini Man. There because we go. let's be real, man. When the coin drop, you hear that boom, 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 boom. Oh, sir, oh, oh, sir, pull up, pull up. I'm like, I felt that. And for me, growing up too, just to give you a little backstory. Like I had a cousin I was extremely close with, man. Like practically was my older brother. He died around the same time. Got shot up. So for me, oh, when wow. I would hear that, I'm like, I got you, bro. I got you. And that thing could send me to a whole nother place. But I had to get away from that. I was, I was, I was getting too dark sometimes. I was like, oh, yeah, I might really, like, try to kill somebody right now. It's probably isn't the best. But, yeah, it, it was a fun time on that, though, man. Like, I, I just felt that one, you know? Absolutely. Then coming in at number two for me, show me what you got, Jay-Z. Because yeah. that's, that's what I'm feeling flashy. That's when I was like, oh, yeah, I know you can't that's touch me. That's when you're me. skipping out onto yeah. the field. And- yeah, it was certain times, whether it was football or – and actually, that was one of my big wrestling songs, too. Ooh. Because with wrestling, I knew I was by myself solo. I'm like, shoot, man, I know I'm money. I don't have to worry about if this guy's prepared or that guy's prepared. I know I'm better than you. And I walk out there with big boy energy show me what just you got. like that. Yeah. And you know how to beat that. No, it's, it's, it's good. And it just hits, man. So that's that. Now, did you do your honorable mentions before you did your number one? Or I you did. did your number one? I did my honorable mentions before number one. Okay, so for my honorable mentions, man. Ha! My name is what? My name is who? My name is Chicka Chicka Slim Shady. Hi, kids. Do you oh, like man. violence? I loved that, man. Loved it. Because it was just against everything that you're <laughs> supposed to do. It's just like throw all the rules out. If your mama you? hear this, like she going to lose her mind. Your daddy going to take you to church. Like, yeah. And that's probably the best way to describe Eminem, yeah, absolutely, right? Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. <laughs> just in a nutshell, you just summed yes. him up perfectly. <laughs> so for me, man, I remember in college, I had a guy he had transferred from uh, from UConn. His name was John Baranowski. Big D tackle. Crazy, right? Just crazy cat. And he would bump this, and from then he would bump it so loud. I'm like, yo, I gotta get on it. So we would literally be eating our pregame meal. He's like, you want to stick nine inch nails to each one of my eyelids? <laughs> I loved it, man. Absolutely, it's a loved great. It, it's bro. a great. I mean, we play it. We play the beat here sometimes yeah, coming out of break. It's it's a great beat. I loved it. So so that was one of our honorable mentions. Another one is the Entertainer by Billy Joel, man. Because I was like, man, I am an entertainer. You listen to the lyrics in the song. He's talking about how he's been all over the world, dominated. He has some other songs, some other lyrics in there that I'm like, hey, baby, I feel you on that. <laughs> and I just love Billy Joel, man. So that's why he was always a part of there. And then Dead or Alive, man. Come Ooh. on, baby. You talk about the John build up? Bon Jovi? You talk about the build up. Cowboy. On a steel horse I ride. <laughs> yeah, man. It's all the same. No, yeah, man. Dude, that was like the toughest song guitar here. I bro. love that song. <laughs> that is a man. great that, you're right. That is a great song. That's, That's a great song hype song. Oh, we get me. I come out there like, yeah. That's a great hype yeah. song. And then uh, my, my last honorable mention, 
In the air, Phil Collins, my big game music, man. Yeah, buddy. I love that song. Let's be real. I about knew it. we'd both have I that. I love as that our song, and, and that's my thing. I said I, I can't. Even, I, I don't even feel comfortable putting my whole list down right now because there's too many songs that I've had throughout my career that I know I'm forgetting some stuff because I typically for every game I had a, and this is why some people might have said I was a little crazy sometimes, especially in mm. college, in the NFL. Haters. So I had two playlists, right? I have my playlist that I'm playing when I'm getting dressed for the game and when I'm riding on the bus to the stadium, right? Okay. Once I start getting dressed for the game, though, I had a three-song rotation. So depending on what year it was, you're going to hear the exact same three songs play on repeat from the time I start getting dressed. Now, mind you, I get to the stadium two hours early. So if I start getting dressed at, you know, 20, 30 minutes of me getting to the stadium for an hour and 30 minutes, you're going to hear these same three songs on repeat as loud as they can go. And that was me every year, just depending on what vibe I was in. It could have been a gospel song. It could have been uh, a couple rap songs. It could have been whatever. But it's going to be those three, and that's all I want to hear, just so I get my mind right. So give you a little context on that. Uh, no, I, yeah. I, I'm i with you on that, too. I'd rather have a condensed playlist and hear the same song more than once yes, than then, like a 30-song playlist. And, and, I, and I'm hearing some weak stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. But my number one song, man, and this goes back to my uh, senior year of JMU, where I was I you know had that type of season mm-hmm. I had man got me drafted and everything and the awards I won mm-hmm. it was the final countdown Ooh. Europe yes mm-hmm. the final count and the thing it was funny right when I was in high school so my sister was in the band she's uh two years older than me right so they would play this song and I would always hear right. and I never knew what it was never knew I was like yo I, but they would always play when we were about to come out and I'm like dang I like this song and going into my senior year at Jimmy I don't know how I just stumbled across it and I was like yo I found it <laughs> and literally man I had my 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 uh my locker mate in college he used to be like bro I would never expect and this is back when like I said in college man I got long hair braids it just yep. doesn't look like that type and he was like yo I never would have thought you'd be bumping this and you bump it on repeat I'm like yeah bro yeah 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 yeah. It's how it is, man. <laughs> We're leaving together. It. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. Love it, man. All love right, it. so which one of these songs that we just talked about will I play coming out of break in a couple minutes? Ooh. Well, you got to stick with us to find out. We'll also wrap up the show with your tweets. As always, last chance to get them in. Or forever hold your peace for the next 21 hours. At Wesley Euler at The Body 52. The Body. We'll wrap up the show on the other side. Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. It's all the same, Arthur Motes. We mm. wrap up with tweets at the end of the show. Oh, mm-hmm. you like what I did there, huh? I see. I'm, ca- I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> And let's get right to it here. We got some people chiming in on this music conversation. Ben says, Loud by Mac Miller. Mm. That's a good beat. That's a good, like, I I can see what you're saying with there, Ben. Absolutely. It's got a nice buildup. It's got a nice beat drop. I can feel that. Uh, Mug Entertainment says, Who Run It? Never Scared? Mm. Last Resort? Little Papa Roach. Mm -hmm. And We Ready. Who Run It? Nice. Run It's a good one. Who Run It's a good one. We Run It? I mean, uh, Never Scared's a good one, too. We Ready? I never scared. We used to bump We Ready, my true freshman year at college. I'll never forget it. They would play, uh, they would play, oh my goodness, they would play We Ready and then uh, Pastor Troy, vice versa. Okay. Back to back every time. (laughs) 
my and you know it's funny too like i you know you know this i've been going to mm-hmm. wvu games since forever my senior year of high school, every time the defense would come on the field, uh-huh. they'd hit We Ready. And it would just be like the student section would just yeah. be out of control. It, it's yeah, a, it's a great one. Even, even, I remember Nuck If You Buck. That was yep. another one <laughs> we used to play. One. That's yeah. a great one. Uh, me on Twitter says, love the show as always. Just a quick thing, Arthur. Any way to <laughs> pull away from the mic when you laugh? My eardrums just busted with the, <laughs> with the crying face. Keep up the great work, gents. <laughs> Uh, Thrash chimes in here. He says, I feel called out by listening to the one type of music comment earlier on the show, but only because I don't feel like going over the differences between the 25 different subgenres of metal music that I like. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, your name is Thrash Metal Guy, so I guess it's par for the course. Thrash, you funny man. I know you like more than just 25 different subgenres of metal. What type of metal? Is it hard metal? Is it liquid metal? Is it it soft metal? I mean, when I went on Thrash's podcast, we Mm -hmm. talked about Nirvana. Mm -hmm. They're not metal. Yeah. We talked about Rage Against the Machine. They're not metal. Yeah. We even, you know what, Motsi? When I was on Thrash's podcast, we talked about Oasis for like a minute Ooh, or two. They're okay, definitely nah, not metal. Yeah, far away from metal. <laughs> Harry chimes in with uh, his top five defenses, Arthur Motsi. He says Steelers one, mm-hmm. Niners two, okay. Ravens three, mm-hmm. Packers four, hmm. Chiefs five. Hmm. The Packers one's interesting because we didn't talk about them at all. That's a defense that I think they, is better than most good. people yeah. give them credit for. I don't know if I'd have them in my top five, but I bet you if I did yeah. a top ten, the Packers, it, yeah. the Packers would be in a good call there by, uh, by Harry. And uh, you know what, Motsi? I think that's going to do it for the tweets today except for uh, – except for – oh, wait, no, sorry. I'm looking at this – is, this is a tweet from yesterday. So that is going to do it for the tweets today. We appreciate everybody – who uh, chimed in on the Twitter.com throughout the show. I promise this black eye on my face from yesterday. It's just because I fell down the stairs. It, it was a wet sign on the floor. He just missed it. That's all. Yeah, you know, they, we really <laughs> got to do a better job of mopping around here at the iHeartRadio <laughs> studios. I tell you what, or at least put the, uh, you know, the caution floor slippery sign out, right? <laughs> Motsi, that'll do it for us today. We'll be back tomorrow on a Thursday. We'll talk to Brian Backo. We'll also have three question Thursday. A lot of good stuff tomorrow. Up next is the training camp report. Mike Pursuta, Dale Lolly, Matt Williamson, they've got you for the next two hours. So we'll talk to Yins later, 3 o'clock tomorrow. In fact, that is the time, and Yins already know the place. It's on your 24-7, home of the black and gold, Steeler Nation Radio.